Hello and welcome everyone to On The Esky, a sports podcast where we wrap up all the major sporting news stories from around the world that we like to follow. As always, uh, I've got the two boys back with me, Peps and Monks. My name is Sean. Um, we've got a massive show planned for, as we do every week, because there's a huge week of sports in between. Um, in, well, the covers in seven days. Of course, we need to start off with the IPL and talk about the final that's coming up with, between the Super Kings and the Knight Riders. Um, Possible we'll talk about the other finals and how we got to this point. There's a little bit of news happening in the AFL with trades and then the NRL with expansion. Mm. Uh, there's a massive week uh, six preview of the NFL coming up. Um, plus, I think we've got to talk about Gruden. Uh, huge heavyweight title fight over the weekend, an excellent spectacle. And then plus a whole bunch of other things, soccer, NBA, MLB's kicking off. There's F1 happening. You'll see as well. As always, uh, we have timestamps, so you can jump ahead to the sports you are interested in as we run through. And, of course, if you enjoy this content or um, enjoy what we're doing, give us a subscribe, uh, comment on our socials or comment on this. Give us a like. Um, it all helps out. Uh, as you're probably aware, we're just finishing up lockdown. We've got a couple of weeks to go, and then we'll have these you know, the, the moustache maestro with the, the dark beard and the ginger beard get together in the studio for the first time in quite a while. Um, we'll get them all around back here around the table and get stuck into sports, but it's still a couple of weeks away. But with that, uh, that's the intro. Let's start off with Shout a Beer. Marks, I'm going to throw to you first. Who's shouting a beer out this week? Uh, I'm going to shout a beer to J.R. Smith, a uh, 16-year vet of the NBA, two-time champion, uh, one with the uh, Cavaliers and one with the Lakers. Um, he's gone and done the Billy Madison. So he back in August this year, he went back to college, um, back to North Carolina A&T Aggies and became a walk-on for their golf team. Um, the reason I guess I'm shouting him a beer this week is um, he had his first golf tournament with the Aggies um, and somewhere around, I think it was in his second round, he got attacked by a group of Waspville Hornets. He, he stepped on the Hornets nest and <laughs> in the middle of the fairway and yeah, got stung, had to get some medical attention. Um, yeah. Um, he was playing all right up until that point, and then I guess, yeah, he sort of slid down down the rankings a little bit and actually ended up uh, 81st place out of 84. But, yeah, I'm shouting a beer this week for um, his first golf tournament as a college freshman. Very a good. lot of boys around it, obviously. Uh, you do feel for some of the uh, young golfers that may actually have a future in the sport. But having said that, <laughs> His swing's actually pretty good. This is no Charles Barkley uh, taking <laughs> the golfing world. He's, he's, he strikes the ball very pure. Uh, my only concern is that uh, he won't be able to rely on LeBron James to win him golf uh, tournaments as per that, that Cleveland Cavaliers rig. Uh, but shout out to J.R. Smith. Yeah. Always impressive when guys can play two sports at an elite level. And uh, I can't bag That's him it. at all uh, considering my golf game. So, yeah, wishing him all the best as yeah. an actor. Yeah, well, as a as thirty at thirty six as well, he's probably got another thirty years in golf. Um, that he yeah, has. so well, yeah, potentially true. a lot a lot of time to improve on his current handicap. So yeah, yeah. see how far he goes. Well, yeah, it's interesting. interesting. You go. 
Yeah, I was just going to say, it's interesting he's gone down the, I guess, the college route. Um, so he's going to college. Uh, he's aiming for a degree in liberal arts, I think it was. So I don't know I don't know what that gets you. But, um, yeah, rather than going around playing, I guess, the Pro-Am tournament, um, uh, pairing up with actual pros, he's going to try and become a pro himself. I think uh, liberal arts used to get, uh, be about as useful as a sheet of toilet paper, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Given the current the current world that we live in, I think liberal arts and uh, the woke ideology that's coming through, you you're pretty much a, you may as well be a professor once you get that bit of paper. Oh, let's not go down that road. <laughs> <laughs> and we shan't we shan't go any further down that road. Sean, who would wait you till like we get to, to the NFL? <laughs> yeah, yeah, true that. Sean, who would you like to shout a beer this week? Well, a bit of a prelim to that, and you guys are probably aware how emails work. They're usually conversational, and they go back and forth. So for Bruce Allen, I'm going to shade him a beer, getting off scot-free and this whole debacle um, that he's caught no cases, uh, maybe because he's uh, no longer in the NFL currently. Um, let's say semi-retired. I don't think anyone's looking to pick him up currently, and I don't think they're going to after any of this um, stuff for his counterpart on the other end of the receiving emails or sending him emails. Mm. Uh, uh, he's lost his job, and we'll talk about that more when we get to the NFL. But I thought it was interesting. Uh, he off got free, and I think we'll talk a bit more about conspiracies uh, when we get into the NFL and talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, it is interesting yeah, that you true. mentioned that emails are normally a two-way street, although I'd imagine there's a, a lot of blokes listening to the podcast tonight that have uh, slid into a few DMs, and it is just one-way traffic. Uh, so, so possibly that was the uh, the interaction between John Gruden and Bruce Allen. Uh, but yeah, we'll get stuck into Gruden a little bit later. But yeah, shout out to Bruce Allen. Uh, he's he's managed to let this one go through to the keeper and uh, and get away scot free. What about you, Pabby? Mate, I'm going to shout out our Delhi Capitals. Uh, just heartbreaker after heartbreaker. They've lost their last three games. Uh, one of them was a dead rubber, of course, against. RCB, we'll talk about that in a second. But then they've got they've finished first in the IPL and they've gone bang bang out in straight sets and they won't uh, be able to contend for that elusive uh, IPL championship. But that will lead us into the week that was in the IPL. We've seen an unbelievable run from Kolkata Knight Riders. Uh, I think when they finished up in India, they had two wins under the belt uh, before the tournament got postponed uh, they were in seventh place and lo and behold uh, they'll, they'll be playing for an IPL title uh, tomorrow night uh, they'll go up against the Chennai Super Kings it'll be second versus fourth we will preview that in just a minute but let's uh, cast our minds back to last week uh, uh, Kolkata weren't even assured of a place in the in the playoffs uh, let alone going to the final uh, when we spoke last week uh, they had to beat Rajasthan Royals, and they did so convincingly, smashing them by 86 runs. Shubman Gill, uh, 56, the best of the, the bats there. And Shiva Marvi, keep an eye on him, 4 for 21 for the young quick. Um, and something that was a little bit of an oversight for us last week, we said Mumbai couldn't make it. There was a chance. <laughs> it was a very, very slim chance. They needed to win by just a measly 170 runs or so to overtake Kolkata on net run rate. Uh, they had to bat first. That was the only way that it could have happened. They won the twat. They won the toss, and uh, everyone just got a license to go mad, and then they did. Uh, Ishan Kishan, 84 of 32. That is striking the ball at 262, 
And Surya Kumar Yadav, 82 of 40, striking at 205. They made a whopping 235, which actually set up the opportunity, uh, albeit a very slim one, to try and uh, sneak past Kolkata into the top four. Uh, unfortunately uh, for, for the Indians, uh, the, the opposition was able to, to make a, a total that, that far uh, exceeded the net run rate that they would have needed. So it's, it's very interesting that the five-time champions, uh, Mumbai Indians, they, they obviously missed out on the playoffs. And it's only the second time they've missed out since 2009. Five-time champions, absolute juggernauts. And uh, we're highly favoured going into the tournament. Boys, what do we make of that? Yeah, I uh, just want to go back to your point on the Knight Riders. They won, since the restart, seven of nine. have uh, won four straight as well going into um, the final. So mm-hmm. they're on a bit of a roll, as you mentioned. But the Mumbai Indians, I think, don't want to say it's great for the IPL, but, hey, you've got someone else. You've got the four other teams making it into the playoffs. You don't have the the, the usual regulars. Um, I don't want to call them the Melbourne Storm of IPL. No. <laughs> Because no one else will get that reference by Australians. I'm sure um, none of our Indian listeners will pick up on that one, but uh, Aussie <laughs> listeners will, will yeah. surely understand. But, you know, a team that's been there, they're always there. They're the team everyone loves to hate or hates, doesn't love. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> way. Uh, but uh, the sick of the Mumbai Indians being in there, they want someone else to win the comp. Uh, we, of course, were hoping it was going to be the Caps, the Capitals, uh, but, you know, that hasn't happened. But maybe, hey, get on the Knight Riders and sneak from fourth to win uh, would be pretty impressive. It's actually kind of impressive that they were able to get such a high score um, yeah. there as well because a lot of the matches have been pretty low. Um, do you reckon that leads on to, I suppose, next year changing the way they look at matches and, I guess, how aggressive they are with attacking? Oh, apples and oranges here. I think maybe against a better bowling lineup and guys that have got something to play for, it might be a different story. And also, there's been market differences between the deck at Sharjah and the decks at uh, Dubai and Abu Dhabi. For some reason, Sharjah is just full of landmines and no one can really bat on it. And the other two decks seem to be pretty good. Uh, but. But yeah, it's it's an interesting one with the with the juggernaut that is the Indians uh, missing out. Alas, let's go back to the, those Delhi Capitals. Uh, obviously, we've sort of all become de facto fans of them. Uh, their social media team <laughs> reaching out to us, you know, a small uh, podcast just in our beginnings. Uh, so we're obviously very fond of them. They played the Chennai Super Kings in the qualifier one winner straight through to the final. So essentially a semi-final. Uh, Delhi batted first and made five for 172. Prithvi Shaw, 60, and Rishabh Pant, 51. Then a peculiar decision for Akshar Patel to bat four. He sort of struggled. I think he had about 10 off 11. And uh, it was good to see Josh Hazelwood in action uh, for the Super Kings for us Aussie fans. He had two for 29 off his four overs. Now, boys, let's enter the breakout uh, player of the tournament, Rudaraj Gaikwad. He had another great game. He made 70 off 50, and it was that man, Akshar, who uh, failed to impress with the bat, who actually had a very impressive catch to dismiss him. He's the second-highest run scorer in the competition and will play in the final uh, tomorrow night, has a chance to overtake KL Rahul to have the most runs in the tournament. And our mate, Lord Chadul Thakur, he got uh, promoted up the order. The uh, boys had obviously seen what he was able to do against the English um bowling lineup in in the recent test series and he got a golden quacker 
Uh, so obviously <laughs> he needed a few more English boys to, to slap around the park. Uh, it was old head, actually, Robin Woodharper, 63 of 44, um, that were getting CSK really close. And then this one really went down to the wire. Uh, enter MS Dhoni, 40 years old, hero in India, probably second, or let's say third only in names uh, to guys like Kohli and Tendulkar in Indian cricket folklore slash religion. Um, and and he had a very ordinary tournament so far, and he just goes, oh, Hang on, time machine, let's enter 2012 MS Dhoni, 18 of six to get them home. He slapped around Tom Curran, who was a little bit of a, a speculator, that one. Uh, Casigo Rabada had an over in hand there, and that got the Super Kings straight through to the final, and it meant that the Capitals had to go the long way uh, through Royal Challengers Bangalore. So quite dis, uh, quite disappointing, I guess, uh, for, for the Capitals to go to this knockout game. Uh, did you guys have any thoughts on that one? Yeah, and i go back to your Patel point a little bit. I'd be interested to see maybe what Ricky's thinking was a little bit in this as well. Um, of course, we'll show some Australian bias here and say, well, why is, like, Steve Smith not batting? <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't picked in that in this, in this exactly. one. Exactly. That, that um, team, looking at the team that they picked, was a bit bowl-heavy, and Patel's kind of the um, – well, ended up being the all-rounder in that sense here, but maybe yeah. not really – I wouldn't consider him a super, you know, as a you know specialist all rounder. He's a spin bowler that can has we can throw the bat around a little bit. So yeah, yeah I wonder was, if they went a little bit light on on bats um, for this pitch, and maybe that hurt him. I'd be interested to, you know, we'd have to pick Ricky's brain to get an understanding of what the kind of thoughts there. But just doing a quick double check of that, and yeah, like you said before, Rabana not getting that last over. Again, another question mark. You got to because he was really good in there game last night where they um, yeah they lost as well he had a great great economy and got two wickets so, yeah interesting it's fitting and it, and it uh really encapsulates this podcast uh three beer enthusiasts that have never gone past about third grade in in <laughs> cricket uh questioning <laughs> the mind of one of the greatest cricketers ever in Ricky Ponting. uh but it, it did seem a little bit peculiar a few of those uh coaching slash captain's decisions as well uh, Richard Pant would have been involved in, in some of um well, especially giving the ball to Tom Curran. Uh, but, yeah, Akshar Patel batting four when you've got Pant and Shimron Hetmeyer, one of the cleanest strikers of the ball in the world, quite peculiar and a head-scratcher for Delhi Capitals fans. Mm. What happened in the Eliminator? So Eliminator, after 50-something games uh, of IPL cricket uh, in a extended season because of COVID, we had the first elimination game a few nights ago. That between Royal Challengers Bangalore and uh, the hot streak Kolkata Knight Riders in Sharjah. We did mention uh, that Sharjah is a, a different venue. Uh, Virat Kohli had a 39 and Dev Padakal 21. Got Bangalore off to a reasonable start. Uh, but this deck, in combination with this man, Sunil Nareen, uh, he had four for 21. And four for 21 doesn't matter who you're getting out. If you're getting park cricketers out and you finish up with four for 21, that's impressive. When your victim list is is Coley, Barat, De Villiers and Maxwell, that's just about, well, three obviously world-class superstars and Barat has shown a little bit in the IPL here. Uh, Sunil Noreen, one of the form bowlers in the competition. Glenn Maxwell, he only managed 15. It was actually his first score of less than 40 in six games. Uh, he had played the spinners very well. He had the most sixes 
hit off spin bowling uh, in this tournament by a long way, but Nareen uh, got him undone there. Um, he was actually on social media. There was a lot of carry-on, I think, in the comments, as there always is. Bangalore chokers, they can't go far. You know, they've got all the talent. Virat Kohli's never uh, captained them to the to an IPL win. And he, and he posted something out there to all the trolls. And essentially the sentiment was, be nice to people. It's not that hard. And given the current world that we live in, um, you know, your team not making the finals probably – Pretty low on the priority list, I would have thought. So good on you, Glenn Maxwell. We obviously love you as Aussies, and uh, we've got big expectations for him going into the World Cup because uh, his his shoulders will really need to get some work carrying our Australian team. Anyways, they made 138. I think that's about a pass score there at Sharjah. Uh, we saw another great run chase uh, and a, a team effort from the Knight Riders. Uh, Shubman Gill, Ventakesh Ayer, Nitish Rana, and that man, Sunil Noreen, he can bat a bit as well. All had 20-plus. And uh, Dan Christian, the Aussie, he got the ball for RCB in the last over. But it was Shakib Al-Hassan who hit the winning runs out there. Um, and, and the Knight Riders go through. And I suppose a disappointing finish to the year for RCB, who on paper are arguably the best side in the IPL. Boys, what were our thoughts there? Bangalore bowing out in the first eliminator. Yeah, and I think he kind of hit the nail on the head with uh, everyone going after Coley yet again. What what, what has Coley not done? Um, no, what what is he doing? Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, he's he's still up there as one of the most quality bats, and he's still putting up runs. Um, he just hasn't, you know, well, they didn't get the win in England because of other circumstances. Who cares about that? That that that'll have to sort itself out at some point. But yeah, not not winning it here with a very stacked roster. You know, that happens. Nobody will come back next year. Um, they've just come running into a team, the Knight Riders, that are in an excellent uh, run of form. And I was just having a look at their team list as well. Um, people forget that Paddy Cummins is meant to be in this team, but of course didn't travel because he's here here at the moment getting ready for Ashes. So and just had a baby. Shout yeah. out to, to Mrs. Cummins. Uh, just had a baby boy this week. Uh, Albie, I believe, uh, courtesy of my wife uh, on the info there. Um, but yeah, Always the big names are going to cop it, aren't they? Virat actually made the most runs in this game. I don't know what more he's meant to do in this particular game. And, of course, it's always going to be a beat-up, isn't it? The, the, in, the Indian media is, you know, likes to sacrifice their own, just like the Australian media likes to do. And there was a guy uh, by the name of A.B. De Villiers, uh, one of the best T20 bats of all time, who really failed to contribute the whole tournament. Um, again, not up to speed with the South African media but can't imagine he was facing the same kind of scrutiny that guys like Coley and Maxwell were but I suppose a disappointing season on the whole for, for Bangalore who were really touted to go far yeah I think they started off very slow as well didn't they they have they were a bit they're kind of you know 500 um, just middle of the pack and um, did enough to get into the playoffs but yeah it's they should have should have been better you think more dominant yeah Let's move forward into the second qualifier, which uh, becomes eliminated two, if you will, uh, that being uh, between Delhi Capitals and uh, the red-hot Kolkata Knight Riders. This was a, a really awesome game. Uh, I was actually, this was last night, I was scheduled to be on the watch party, but unfortunately a bit of life got in the way, boys. I'm sure everyone can relate to that. Uh, the big, big news for Australian fans uh, was Marcus Stoinis into the side uh, in place for Tom Curran. He got that last over 
and uh, and, and he got sacrificed. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> the poor bloke uh, to make way for the big Stoin. And um, that the Capitals actually got off to a pretty good start here. Prithvi Shaw was looking his uh, normal best until he copped a nice googly from Varin Chakravarthy to go for 18. That saw big Marcus Stoinis come in at three. And to be honest, he didn't look like himself at all, boys. He looks like he's still, uh, this hamstring injury, still playing some kind of uh, influence in the way that he could open up and, and strike the ball. He had just a lackluster 18 of 23. Chicken Darwin and Shreyas Iyer had 30-odd each, but they just got to five for 135. Surprisingly, that man Sunil Nareen didn't take a wicket. I think he had three men of the match performances leading into this game. Still bowled very uh, tidily. And uh, the leggy Varun Chakravarthy, two for 26. The best of the bowlers for the Knight Riders. And then this looks, looked like it was sealed, stamped, delivered after about 10 overs with Shubman Gill and Ventakesh Iyer getting KKR off to an excellent start. They looked like they were going to cruise to victory. They needed 13 runs off the last four overs with seven wickets in hand. Boys, this was one of the most <laughs> entertaining finishes you'll ever see in T20 cricket. After Shubman Gill snicked up, uh, I think they lost six for seven, including the Gill wicket, and they had four consecutive ducks, four, Dinesh Karthik bowled by Rabada. Owen Morgan chopped off uh, off Nordica. A little bit unlucky. They needed just seven off the last over from Ravi Ashwin. Shakib Al-Hassan, Plum LBW. And then Sunil Noreen caught. Came to six runs required of two balls. All the momentum going in their favour of our Delhi Capitals. And then lo and behold, Rahul Tripathi, doesn't matter. All his partners have fallen like flies around him. He's facing a hat-trick ball from Ravi Ashwin, and he launches in for six to um, absolutely break the hearts of the Delhi Capitals fan. And we would have seen jubilation in Kolkata. The Knight Riders, an unbelievable run to being seventh place uh, at the at the midway point of the year when the tournament got postponed into uh, the final. Heartbreak for Delhi Capitals fans. Boys, what did we make of that? I think you couldn't sum it up any better, Peps. Uh, absolute roller coaster of a game, to, definitely towards the end. That's um, that's why you live for that T20 form and that chase right there to the goes down to the dying balls, the dying overs, um, and yeah, hitting a hat trick ball for six um, to get you guys the win. Uh, that that t- you can't really top that. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, shout out to Trapathy. Um, maybe. Went under the radar for shout of beer this week. That is Cajones of Steel. Um, <laughs> we go out there, facing the hat trick ball, six off two required, and go, oh, don't worry about the next ball. Let's let's settle this right now. Um, so, yeah, Delhi, Delhi, they were so close but so far in both these elimination games. And, look, we've been treated to some really good elimination cricket. So if the final's anything to go, uh, or if these playoffs are any indication of as the final might go, we were in for a real treat. That said, let's have a look at it. Tomorrow night, uh, our time, it's quite late. I think it's 1 a.m. Saturday morning for us down here, down under. That'll be prime time in India and uh, early afternoon in the Emirates. The second place, Chennai Super Kings take on the fourth place, Kolkata Knight Riders. Will it be the long-time powerhouse and three-time champs in the uh, Super Kings? They're very good with the bat. They've got that young superstar, the breakout player of the tournament in Rudaraj Gaikwad to go along with some really good seasoned old heads in Faf Duplessis, Ambadi Royadu, and a really strong middle order with the likes of Moen Ali, MS Dhoni, 
and Jadu Ravi Jadeja. And then we spoke before at length uh, about how good Sunil Nareen's been. He forms an excellent spin combination with Varun uh, Chakravarti and Shakib Al Hassan. The Knight Riders have won the comp twice. They're in. They've got all the momentum. How do we see this playing out, Monks? If you wouldn't mind just bringing up the odds, and Sean, can I get your thoughts while uh, while he does that? It's hard to say because when, when the Super Kings haven't played for a week, and uh, yeah, five days, I think. Five days, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in that time frame, the Knight Riders have played an extra two games. So they have, yeah. Uh, yeah. So and both elimination wins. Yeah, exactly. So they're momentum, form, etc. Uh, you could throw out that, or maybe they've played their final one week early, blah, blah, whatever. It's You can put all the psychology, sports psychology in there if you want, um, but when it comes down to it, it's a coin to us for me. And at this point, let, um, let's back the Knight Riders. Oh! Uh, for, that's that's <laughs> where I'm going. Let, let's, let's follow them in from the unreal form, the way they've been playing. Um, I'm going to ride the momentum, ride that wave, and they'll – come out here and shock the Super Kings. That's what I'm thinking. I like that. Uh, a, a, a true Cinderella story back in the team that's come from nowhere with a bit of momentum. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go the Super Kings to to put an end to the Cinderella story. I just think their batting stocks are too strong in that middle order. Um, with with those old heads are too good. <laughs> but again, like you say, flip of a coin. I like, I like that analogy. Uh, it's a game of cricket, and cricket can, you know, out of – any sport really is one of those ones that can go either way. Uh, this one away from Sharjah, so I think that gives a little bit of advantage more to the team with the stronger bats. Had this final been in Sharjah, and uh, we've seen what Noreen and Co have done there, maybe I would I, this would swing me towards the Knight Riders. But I'm going to go the Chennai Super Kings to win their fourth uh, IPL tournament. Monks, you've got the casting vote here and uh, the odds. I imagine they're pretty close. Uh, let us know what you got. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, well, yeah, Sean summed it up perfectly. Uh, it is a coin flip. Um, yep, yeah, so $1.90 each way. Well, yeah, Super Kings and uh, Riders. I like Sean's sentiment. Um, I've gone Knight Riders. I think they've got a bit of momentum behind them. Um Hopefully that works in their favour. That being said, Garquard is favourite to be top run scorer at $3.30. Um, is just um, pipping um, Gill at $3.40 uh, for the Knight Riders. Um, yeah, outside of that, everything looks very, very even. Let's look. We don't really have a dog in the fight um, aside from our pride with those tips. Let's. <laughs> Let's just hope for a nice, entertaining final, uh, as we've seen in these playoff games, huh? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And with that IPL finishing up, so that's Friday night, Saturday, our time. Uh, Sunday night, our time, uh, is the start of the T20 World Cup. The first game happens. So straight into it. How good. Um, (laughs) So we'll, we'll get to talk about the start of the World Cup. Australia, I think we have South Africa first off the top of my head. We're the 23rd, our first game. First game of the World Cups on the 17th. So I think it's more the lower tier nations play the early games for the first week. And yeah. then the bigger tier um, start to roll in. So That's yeah, right. Five, so five, it's five, a 10-team te- awesome. tournament. Uh, so there's eight teams playing for those last two spots. You know, your Scotland's, Ireland's, 
you know, little minnow countries like Sri Lanka um, have to have to try and get through that. Uh, and then the the, pro- the tournament proper uh, starting a, a little bit after that. But in next week's episode, we'll be able to review the IPL final. We'll, be, we'll take a look at the stats, um, who finished up uh, as a top run scorer, top wicket um, taker, et cetera, et cetera, and also be able to have a look at the start of the World Cup. It's all happening in the cricket. And speaking of, we've got an Ashes team. Um, Monks, do you oh, want to let us... Ashes team. Monks, England's Ashes squad. Uh, a lot <laughs> of hoopla last week uh, around about uh, will you know will they even come? Of course they will, but there was some you know hoops that had to be jumped through, if you will. And two notable omissions: no Jofra Archer, no Ben Stokes. Uh, this team, to me, mm. looks very susceptible, especially what we saw India be able to do to them on their home wicket. Uh, Monks, if you wouldn't mind running through that squad, please. Yep, yeah, I'll just run through them as we've got them listed out here. So um, starting at the top of the list, we've got Joe Root, uh, Jimmy Anderson, Johnny Bairstow, Don Bess, Stuart Broad, Rory Burns, Joss Butler, Zach Crawley, uh, Hasib Hamid, Dan Lawrence, Jack Leach, David Milan, Craig Overton, Ollie Pope, Ollie Robinson, Chris Wokes and Mark Wood. Who's their other spin option besides Lynch in that team? Because there's no Mo and Ali, of course. Yeah, no Moen Ali is, mm. is interesting. Um, can you double check that? Is is Ali coming out, or did I did I miss something there? I, I would have thought he was coming out. Uh, Dom Bess, isn't it? Uh, yes. Well, yeah. they they wouldn't bring a third spinner. That's what I was trying to work. No. no. Mm. And to be honest, that pace attack, even without um, Archer. Uh, Still pretty pretty solid. The thing is, I suppose you could, if you wanted to get into the nitty gritty, is Jimmy Anderson's record in Australia is pretty ordinary. Uh, the conditions obviously here don't suit the English seamers uh, as they do over there with the Duke's ball and the overcast weather. Joe Root is having a worldly year, uh, one of the best calendar years ever for a bat. Outside of his batting prowess, uh, this English team looks susceptible. To mine, um, there's, we've seen a little bit of back and forth already. Uh, the Barmy Army getting stuck into Tim Payne. Uh, you know, they, they're saying he's a fake leader. He, you know, we've had <laughs> we've had powerhouse leaders in the past in Steve War and Ricky Ponting and Michael Clark and Tim Payne just doesn't quite fill their shoes. Uh, however, I was having a look at the uh, Test averages. Uh, he's on par. So on par, I mean, within two runs or has a better average. And every single one of these English bats coming out, not named Joe Root, and the bloke bats at seven and has never made a Test hundred. So <laughs> hate but, as much as you want on Tim Payne. I don't know if they've got the uh, the batting stocks to back it up. Yeah. So if uh, if you're the Barmy Army, you can suck on that bulging disc. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty oh. good out of you there, Sean. That's pretty good. That's pretty pretty good. good. Uh, and so, and look, and the, and the English media hasn't been kind to this uh, this announcement either. They sort of said, "Good luck, boys." I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Obviously, we haven't played any Test cricket this year. The last time we played was that whacking yeah. at Gabba. Um, you know, Washington Sundar says hello. And I look, we should we should win this series comfortably. We should we should. I just want I just. I am concerned about the lack of red ball cricket. Uh, the next eight weeks, 
and mm. that, that will lead us into our next segment. We will see a fair bit of Shield cricket, and we've already seen the start of our domestic uh, tournaments back here. And we've got to kick us off with Travis Head. Sorry, he just before absolute... we do that. Oh, yeah, you go. Yep. Yeah, um, so just have a look uh, a little bit on the English team. So um, Moen Ali has retired from international test cricket. Oh, um, I, I did read, yeah, I did read that. Yeah. So that's why he's not in the squad. Um, yeah. And then... Big omission. Like, like Moen... He's know, 34, so he's getting up there. But, yeah, it's still, he probably had a good couple of years left. Mm. Yeah, Interesting I he does it before the Ashes and not after, but that's probably just... And, show where he's come at the moment. and yeah. look, Moen Ali, a pretty handy red ball cricketer, but let's be honest, uh, an excellent white ball cricketer. I imagine mm. that he... Uh, you know, has maybe made a financial decision here and uh, might finish out his late 30s uh, cruising around the T20 comps in the world, making a bit of coin. You can't bash a guy for doing that. Yeah, and there is That's a World it. Cup coming up, so he'd probably focus on that than trying to get um, Red Bull games under his belt. So. True, true. Um, that is big. Mo and Ali, uh, and that was a couple of weeks ago, I think. Uh, we might have brushed over that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then on Ben Stokes, um, there was pictures of him floating around on social media that he was um, gripping onto a bat uh, for the first time since, what was it, like April yeah. he got injured. So whether he might be a late call-up to the squad, um, if he's feeling up to it, um, maybe that will um, yeah bolster the, the team a little bit. Yeah, a lot of the noise around Ben Stokes obviously being the mental health issues. I uh, did have that niggling hand injury, but mm-hmm. going back four or five months, you wouldn't think it's the hand that's keeping him out. It might be uh, between the years. So wishing him all the best with his recovery. It's mm-hmm. it's one of those things, isn't it? Do you want England to come out here sort of half-arsed and beat him? Or would you, as an Australian fan, would you rather them come out full strength and then they don't have the caveat of, oh, we didn't have Stokes, we didn't have Archer, and try and beat him full strength. Uh, I tell you what, the way that Australian cricket's been of late, I'd be care. They could send out a uh, English county team with uh, no Joe Root and no good players, and we pump them 5-0, and that would still get me erect. <laughs> exactly. Who cares? Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> we, need a, we need a win just as much as they do, really. In, in other circumstances, uh, you know, in yesteryear, perhaps, you know, under a Steve War or under a Ricky Ponting where we hadn't lost a game for two years, oh, yeah, fuck it, we want to beat the best of the best. Right now, uh, you know, just just send out an English park team and we'll terrorise them and, and hopefully get the win. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, a little a little bit of an underwhelming side to go out. and But also, that there's no pressure on them. There's no pressure on these guys whereas all the expectation will be on the Australian team to get that Ashes win. So, uh, look, I'm looking forward to it. We're only a couple months away. That will lead us into our uh, domestic season, which is is back underway here down under. And Travis Head made a statement this week, 230 runs off 127 balls, if you don't mind, to get SA to a whopping 8 for 391 in their Marsh Cup game, just the second Marsh Cup game of the year so far. Uh, he also, we spoke about it last week, made that big 100 in Shield cricket. That number five Ashes spot uh, might be his. We do have a little bit of cricket to come. Jake Weatherald also chipped in with 97. Queensland, in reply, did well to get to 312, uh, but uh, obviously the Redbacks getting the win there. And that was their first win in any form of uh, of the game for nearly two years. So I uh, hope the, uh, the South Australians down there 
in their lockdown state uh, and pubs open uh, celebrated with a few uh, West Ends or Coopers. <laughs> Definitely. And that leads to some Shield cricket, of course, coming up. We've got South Australia taking on Queensland and Western Australia taking on Tassie. Um, Vic may play New South Wales. Of course, the both states um, still semi-infected. Well, Victoria heavily infected with COVID. New South Wales starting to come out. We're easing restrictions. Not, you know, we call it a soft release from lockdown, not a not a full one yet. Um, but I think there's some pretty sad news, Peps, um, for one of the young potential hopefuls for for Australia. Yeah, Will, because we were talking about here, the bloke can't catch a break. Uh, he's had uh, shoulder surgery after dislocating his shoulder playing for Australia last summer, and it's well publicised his ongoing issues with concussion. We were talking pre-show that he might have suffered as many as 10 concussions already at the tender age of 23. He got struck in the nets last week uh, and is still showing some symptoms there. So we'll have to keep an eye on Will Pekoski, obviously one of the most touted talents to come out of Australia in a long, long time. Um, also been through, uh, you know, a, a time away from the game via mental health. So wishing Will all the best with his recovery. We do talk about it here on the Esky. It, it does tend to revolve around uh, contact sports, but, uh, you know, it is good to be aware that concussion can be an issue in, in uh, cricket as well. So just wishing him all the best with his recovery. If he's unavailable, then you you can imagine uh, the hoopla that'll come around who will open uh, the batting with Davey Warner. There'll be a lot of guys competing for that spot. Uh, Sean Marshall. I think it will. I think it might be Sean Marshall. Uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, uh, but he's, he's having a nice little start to his uh, domestic season here. But look, boys, we can't get too far ahead of ourselves. We've got two months. Uh, there's a lot of Shield cricket, a bit of Marsh uh, Cup, to be played uh, before that first ball gets bowled in December. Uh, well, wishing Will all the best, of course. Of course, uh, yeah, of course. And yeah. I'm I'm hoping that this is a bit of a media beat up and and uh, you know a bit more of a story than him actually having uh, you know some symptoms that might keep him out of the first test. So wishing Will all the best there. Uh, in other news, uh, the WBBL kicks off tonight. Uh, the Aussie girls just got a series win over India. Um, shout out to Edges and Sledges podcast. I've uh, chatted with DJ before from uh, that podcast uh, in the Delhi Capitals watch parties. Um, they're calling for a women's IPL. We obviously have the women's Big Bash here uh, as essentially all Australian talent. If there was a way to bring all the world talent together, uh, in, in chicks cricket and, uh, you know, get them on the biggest stage playing for their clubs and uh, playing for a club and not their country uh, might be a good way to uh, sort of bring exposure to the women's game and possibly a few dollars to the girls as well. So uh, shout out to the edges and sledges. I think that's a brilliant idea. I agree. Definitely. Yeah. Can second that. And with that, I think that's cricket for this week. Uh, a lot of interesting news, uh, which means we need to talk about uh, the NRL and then the AFL. Not a huge amount of news from both sports course being off-season, but we'll run through it. We've got to talk, of course, about the NRL. Um, two really big stories. Uh, one a bit sad, one very interesting, and we'll start there. Um, the Dolphins, formerly known as the Redcliffe Dolphins, now known as the Dolphins. The Dolphins. Uh, <laughs> to be the 17th team in the NRL. They have won that race. Um, have got that license. 
Um, so Albo came out and announced that that was the case and also finished off that speech that, you know, seven is one, 17 is one step to 18. So they're, they're already looking for, for that, um, you know, 18th team, the second expansion team, which by all accounts probably going to be New Zealand, but we'll probably have to wait till the international game uh, spreads out and, and uh, international travel. But they've already started off quickly. They're, the 17th team, they've come in, uh, and I think all three teams honestly had the same game plan. Let's sign Wayne Bennett as the inaugural um, head coach. Um, and by all accounts, he'll be offered a three- to four-year deal somewhere in the vicinity of two mil in total. Um, I think that was if it was a three-mil deal, probably a little bit more if it's four. Um, but essentially, he, you know, they're going to negotiate. It wouldn't surprise me over the weekend. It all gets finalised, and Wayne Bennett's the new head coach of the Red Cliff Dolphins. Well, the, the Dolphins, sorry. Um, and then they'll start to look to build uh, their team. And Munster, of course, is the first name on everyone's lips because of contract. But they've already started talking about, you know, Christian Welsh, Kaylin Ponga. Um, I think overall I saw some stat that 30-plus Queenslanders have all played for the Dolphins. So the Dolphins have a bit of, you know, have definitely had stocks go through there. A lot of guys playing in the NRL now have connections originally to the Dolphins coming from Queensland. So... I think perhaps you might have put this point in here. Will they be Melbourne Storm or will they be Gold Coast? Um, having Wayne Bennett to kick off your team, potentially getting state of origin Queenslanders uh, in your inaugural 17 uh, definitely helps your chances of being competitive, which is what Albo, which what the Landers wants um, for the new team to come in is they want them to be competitive. They want them to win games, uh, show, <laughs> show the other Brisbane team up a bit, uh, which of course I think is, why Wayne's licking his lips. He's just like, fuck Brisbane, I'm coming back. Uh, <laughs> and we'll see, see how they go from that. But that's the summary. That's the context. What do you boys think? Yeah, I think time will tell. Uh, you know, I've, I've put in there Melbourne Storm and Gold Coast Titans, you know, uh, good compare and contrast, if you will, for teams, uh, how they went early on. Uh, Melbourne Storm obviously coming into the competition in 1998. And they won the comp in 1999 and have been a powerhouse ever since. Uh, the Gold Coast Titans, uh, they've been in the NRL for over 10 years now. They've made uh, the finals a couple of times but have never gone deep and have essentially struggled in terms of uh, membership and, uh, you know, attendance and, and going deep. Uh, so it could go one of either those two ways, the Storm path or the Titans path. The thing is... We're a long way away, so a lot of this question will revolve around, A, do they get Bennett, and B, how well do they recruit? If guys like, if they're lining up with Cameron Munster, Christian Welsh, Callum Ponga, and 14 bums, uh, they're probably going to be a pretty good side, you'd imagine. So it's going to sort of depend on how well they recruit in this uh, upcoming season. And I like how you said, Sean, that 17 leads to 18. 17 is no good for my OCD. Uh, I, I hate that, a bye game every week. Uh, surely we've got to be building towards 18. A lot of the talk will be around a second New Zealand team. Obviously, the Warriors are, you know, sacrificing a lot to be playing away from home uh, all this time. I Central think, Coast uh, Warriors, you mean? The Central Coast Warriors, that's right. The terrible <laughs> Warriors uh, playing away from home for two years. Uh, I, I think the logical sense uh, or the, the sensible decision would be to award a second New Zealand team. Whether or not that's based out of Wellington or perhaps the South Island, time will tell. 
Uh, and again, this is all just brainstorming, uh, you know, nothing uh, uh, official just yet. But, yeah, good for the NRL. They do have uh, the, the Dolphins locked in. What's the name going to be, boys? They've been told they can't be Redcliffe. It needs to be something Brisbane-related. Uh, or, or do they become, say, the Sunshine Coast Dolphins? Or I've also heard Moreton Bay Dolphins thrown in. Uh, Sean, have you heard anything? Yeah, well, I think for the interim, uh, they're going with the Dolphins. The Dolphins. The Dolphins, and they're going to they, – I think there was talk in their original um, proposal they put forward that they'd run a competition of some description, you know, crowdsource it. So we could end up with um, – what is it? Uh, dolphin Mick Dolphin Face as a oh, potential, yeah. <laughs> as a potential team name. Um, Hopefully, it's contractually binding as well. Whoever wins the uh, the vote uh, <laughs> gets the name. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so they might run something like that, and they'll see where that goes. Um, if it's if it's not North Brisbane or Brisbane, um, maybe they stick with the Dolphins, but. I don't think there's no club in the NRL currently that's just known by and monkeyer and doesn't have a city related to it or a location. So yeah, moniker I think is the word that you're after there. Monkeyer is the bloke that uh that's yeah. <laughs> sitting there with the headphones. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but but you are right. Yeah. Uh, no no one is just a you know the the team. Uh, so I think they need to have an area attached to them. I think yeah, North Brisbane uh, might be a shout. Uh, but yeah, I Tom. North Tom will tell. Yeah, see if they can kind of get a, a north versus south rivalry going on. And we've spoken about it before on the Esky, but uh, the Brisbane Broncos being pretty ordinary over the last few years is a perfect time to bring in a new franchise from Brisbane. I think if we did this in the powerhouse days of the Broncos, uh, you know, with with Ben and Lockyer back in the day in the in the late 90s and early noughties, this team would really struggle. But I reckon there's a lot of fed-up Broncos fans that would be happy to jump ship. Yeah, and don't yeah. forget, Wayne Bennett adds a huge amount to yes. this. Yes. We've talked about it. He's the GOAT. Um, he'll be 75 by the end of this contract, too, by the way. Yeah. So, uh, so that's, yeah. That's what I was going to say as well. Do you reckon a Wayne Bennett in his 30s with the Broncos – well, do you reckon a Wayne Bennett in his early 70s is as good as a Wayne Bennett in his early 30s with the Broncos? It's still a mistake, and you probably got to remember uh, who was playing in the grand final, James. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Yeah, I don't think Bennett <laughs> lost a touch, and uh, I had to get too political here, boys. But uh, the leader of the free world in Joe Biden is <laughs> 79 going on 139. You can barely string a sentence together. Uh, and he's the bloke that controls the nukes. So I think, <laughs> I think Bennett will be fine uh, in his mid-70s. Yeah, I'd be interested to see who he brings in more of his assistants because I think his current assistants are all going to stay at South and essentially take over. Yeah, yeah. So whether, um, you know, the Walker brothers, they've been around. The yeah, there's some chat there. Play, play a very interesting style of football, whether they get brought in because um, a lot of the other assistants for Wayne are already coaching. Like You can't talk about Walters. He's already at Brisbane. So how much of them? So it'd be interesting to see what sort of staff he puts together. Cameron where, Smith. I've heard, you know, again, maybe just a bit of, uh, you know, clickbaity stuff, but have heard that they might be after his services. Well, uh, yeah, but look, it, Billy Slater as well. Well, he's got that contract with the Maroons, so I yeah. don't, yeah. Probably limited him. But hey, JT's fighting around. Um, yeah, so. yeah. 
And, and uh, look, no knock on JT from a bloke that also, you know, can uh, barely talk. Uh, probably not the best getting around in the commentary business just now. Maybe his head is better off uh, in a coaching uh, position. Uh, at least that laugh, you know, that laugh will get the boys up. Uh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, so it'd be, again, interesting to see what happens. Um, you know, everyone's trying to connect dots. I think someone was talking about Harry Grant, his father and his brother and his uncle all played for the Dolphins. So, you know, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Connect the dots, he's coming back. Yeah. Uh, time will tell. We've got another year of to follow off – well, it wouldn't be off-season, but we've got to follow signings, movements, et cetera, and see what happens, see what kind of team they put together. Um It'll be, yeah, quite interesting whether they put together some elite, elite team, um, got the cash to splash on the on the beach. Um, we'll see see how that all uh, all goes and gets put together. Looking forward to it. In um, a little bit sadder news, uh, but it's always good to celebrate the life of a legend. Uh, we heard today of the passing of Norm Proven, um, an immortal. The man known as Sticks, uh, he passed away today, aged 89. He's actually the man on the Proven Summons trophy, the, uh, obviously the, the trophy that gets given to uh, the winners of, of the NRL. 265 games for the Dragons playing second row back in the 50s and 60s. He won 10 premierships in that uh, 11 in a row golden era uh, for the Dragons, a record which, you know, nowadays with salary caps, uh, that's Unlikely to ever be beaten. Uh, he was also the captain coach in four of those games. He also played 19 games for New South Wales and 14 games for Australia. Vale, Norm Proven, and our thoughts go to um, his his family and friends, but also, you know, just a, a shout-out to one of the greatest to ever play this game. Yeah, yeah and joins a couple of other legends in Rodongas and Bozo also passing away earlier in the year. Um, so it's been a bit of a rough year for rugby league legends. Um, but as Peps mentioned, that trophy, um, yeah. he immortalises it. What have, what have the Panthers boys do to this trophy? Well, <laughs> the question well, is probably well, what haven't they done to the trophy? Yeah, <laughs> it's, I don't know, it got dropped or it got damaged in some way. Uh, the Penny boys have been celebrating, and as they should, obviously bringing uh, the Panthers their first uh, premiership in 18 years. Uh, but they broke the trophy. Uh, we, one of you sent an article in the group chat saying it might cost 300 grand to fix. I don't know who's quoting that one up. That, that sounds like a uh, bloody dodgy builder to me. Uh, <laughs> but there's, I did see some good jokes getting thrown around in the comments as well. Uh, and shout out to any of our listeners from Western Sydney. I hope you don't take offence. Uh, but this, some of these were pretty funny. Uh, the main one being, uh, look, they're just a bunch of Westies uh, probably trying to strip the copper off it to make a few bucks. Uh, quite hilarious uh, considering Nathan Cleary's probably on about a million dollars a year um, yeah stripping copper uh, m- more renowned with uh, methamphetamine heroin uh, type um, to, to make a few bucks to feed their habit uh, so yeah don't know how much uh, you would have got off that trophy I think Laurie Daly famously dropped the trophy back in the day uh, you can see how it would happen, a few drinks um, after an NRL premiership. Uh, maybe the boys, after a certain amount of uh, schooners, shouldn't be given uh, the trophy to, to, to handle. But, look, it was a, a bit of a, a, bit of a um, story in, uh, in the mainstream media. Apparently, Brandy Alexander wasn't happy with the behaviour, yada, yada, yada. 
Yeah, I, I, I reckon you win a you win a GF. Oh, look, you chip the trophy, get a bit of super glue out, and uh, she'll be right. Yeah, it's it's interesting as well. That it's the same trophy that gets passed around year on year. Yeah, um, there's no new trophy. Uh, you know, that gets made. I think they probably have replicas to to for the club to put up in their location. But this is the the actual one. Um, yeah. Uh, Interesting note, it's been the trophy since 98 in this um, uh, carnation. So you know, maybe it's potential that like, they revamp it as well. They've got currently it's covered uh, going up the sides with shields now uh, mm-hmm. with the 20-plus uh, grand final uh, notes on it. Maybe they, you know, they, they've used the, that, that the gladiator uh, picture and that statue for 40-plus years. Keep that, but do you then tweak it around it? Because originally it was on a basic stand and then they put it in the the i don't know what we did call it the um not cauldron but the apron thing that got wrapped yeah, around yeah. it now yeah so they, they might take a page out of the f1 book and uh put a halo around their head to, to protect the protect their heads uh for when, when a team on day six of their grand final bender drops it the next time uh, there's, there's a little bit of protection around it hey uh, you never know. It would be interesting to see what they can, whether they, they just fix it and they keep going with it, or maybe it's potential to like, hey, let's let's tweak it a little bit, um, have something new, especially with the 17th team coming in. You're tweaking the rules. Um, new trophy, new league, new trophy. I'll just throw it out there. Maybe the uh, Proven summons uh, Andrew John skateboarding uh, with the hat trophy. I'd get around that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too funny. Uh, Peppy, uh, that's NRL news. Uh, as mentioned, not much to cover uh, besides those two big stories. AFL, on the other hand, they're in their trade uh, period. Um, well, finished their trade period, sorry. They finished up last night? Yeah, I think yesterday, yep. So um, not a, not the most uh, ruckus of trade periods. Not a huge amount went down. A couple of big ones, but overall a bit of a slow period. Perhaps you want to run us through the, the last, say, four big names they got, got the, the deals done? Sure thing. I think we covered a few of the big fish last week. Uh, Adam Chera going to Carlton, probably the biggest name traded this week. But uh, George Hewitt, the uh, Swans young gun, also got picked up by the Blues as a free agent. Uh, So not actually traded, but uh, just signed. Uh, So that will see the Blues have a pretty formidable midfield next year, picking up uh, both Chera and Hewitt and obviously parting ways with Sam Petreski-Seaton. Uh, the Swans did add Peter Laddams from Port, uh, their second ruckman behind Scott Lysett. Uh, he'll form a pretty handy duo with Tom Hickey, who was uh, one of the signings of this year for the Swannies. And speaking of the Swannies, they do part ways as highly speculated uh, with Jordan Dawson. He finished third in the BNF. Uh, all the noise had been around the Adelaide Crows, the mighty Crom, having their eyes on him. Uh, we at one last week uh, we said Jordan's probably leaving uh, leaving Sydney for sure. What will it cost? It did cost a first round pick um, uh, and that ends this speculation there. There was even talk that he may even uh, leave the Sydney Swans to re-enter the draft. That didn't come to fruition. Uh, Jordan Dawson is a crow. Frio has picked up Jordan Clark from Geelong. They traded pick 22 for him and also added Will Brody from the Suns. 
Now, I'm not putting these guys in the, in Adam Chera's kind of territory just yet, but they obviously need to fill that hole that he leads in their midfield. So uh, ho- hopefully one of those two young guns are able to step in uh, to that hole left by Chera. And we spoke about it last week. We speculated, but it's official. Pat Lipinski is, fish- is officially a co- uh, confirmed earlier in the week. They traded pick 43 for him, which I think is a bit of a steal. It probably shows where the Western Bulldogs are at at the moment. They're that strong. Paddy Lipinski can't really break into this midfield. Uh, and you'd imagine he'll be a, he would be a staple midfielder at just about any club uh, that's not the Western Bulldogs or Melbourne Demons, perhaps. Um, I'm glad you chucked it in there. Bobby Hill, GWS, uh, a lot of uh, and him going back out to Perth. Did this deal end up happening? No, it didn't. And I just want to go back to your, the um, the previous one with the Bulldogs, just mm. you know, mentioning yeah, leverage, I think, was the question there. They, yeah. As you said, they had all the talent. They really didn't have leverage to push that pick. But it was good to see the Pies um, get Pat over there. Um, so, as mentioned, Bobby Hill wanted out of GWS, compassionate grounds, wanted to go. Uh, yeah. uh, was it back west or back to Victoria? Back home. Well, home yeah, for him. West, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but it ended up um, GWS. Well, the the wording, the wording the media uses, GWS refused his trade off here, um, whether that's clickbait or not, or something didn't happen. Uh, but they've turned it down. For all accounts, it seemed like uh, Bobby Hill was a bit distraught with this decision. Um, you know, on the phone crying to the the list manager, like, hey, I'm you know I'm cooked. I don't want to be here, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they couldn't get something done, and kind of forcing his hand. Um, I was just wondering if his situation, maybe being more of a young fellow, whether um, he could do something like Dawson was persp- um, thinking about, and maybe go back through the the draft and try to go back somewhere out west or, or um, somewhere that isn't Sydney. I think that's probably the issue at the moment, but. I just wanted to see what your thoughts were, Bebby. Well, he would have to make up his mind very quick if that's what he wants to do and leave the Giants and uh, re- go through the draft again because we're only a few weeks away from the draft. It's always sad, isn't it, when a bloke is – you do hear about it a fair bit in AFL, you know, uh, the only domestic sport that we have here with a draft system – where guys do get a little bit homesick. And really with trades as well. Like uh, the NRL yeah. not a huge trade market at all. Um, they don't have windows or anything like that. Well, and, and again, that's tied into having a, a draft system, I suppose, that you can trade players for picks. Um, so, yeah, look, you, you, think, you think of Bobby Hill, you hope that he's not too homesick, but you also wonder what's, what's going through the Giants' management head. Uh, once a player tells you that they've kind of had enough, What's their output going to be like next year? You know, he's he's a he's a speedster. He's um you know, an awesome force when he's on. Um, but definitely one of those momentum type guys. If his heart's not there, will he uh, be contributing too much to the Giants in 2022? I guess time will tell. Yeah, and not to um, put it on Bobby at all that um, this is his thought, but maybe GDRS is thinking of like well. He just wants out. He doesn't necessarily, you know, um, we, we can, you know, turn him around. He'll be right. We'll sort it all out. It's it's more he just doesn't like the contract or doesn't like where he's at. He's not getting as much playing time, whatever, and he just wants to go somewhere where, he, you know, better club, whatever he wants to sort out. Probably not with GWS, but, you know, there's, there's always that thinking 
um, that a lot of guys go to the compassionate grounds. There's no real trade holdouts um, in the AFL okay. to, to do what the NFL is. Um, so it's like it's we, I mentioned leverage before. It's their leverage as say is like, hey, um, start the conversation because I want I want to be moved on. Um, but who knows? We'll keep an eye on uh, what happens there um, going forward. Yep. Yeah, agree. Let's uh, run us through some NFL news here, Sean. We have to talk about John Gruden. Uh, you probably uh, over this more. Give me, give me a second. Let me just. Yeah, I'm going to need this. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> one, for, one for the Raiders fans out there. Um, John Gruden has been sacked. Um, run us through what happened here. I'm, I'm going to duck out very quickly. I'll be back. But uh, a massive, massive story. Former Super Bowl winning coach with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and long-term uh, personality as both uh, an analyst with ESPN and a head coach in the NFL. What has happened to John Gruden, please, Sean? Yeah, well, uh, so context, he had signed a 10-year deal with the Raiders as head coach. Um, so he was three years into that deal. I think he had a 22-and-30-odd record, so not the greatest record, unfortunately, for him. But it came out uh, ooh, probably Saturday. Yeah, over the weekend. Yeah. yeah, it was over the weekend of a email from 2011, I think was the year. Um, whether that was leaked initially, who knows. But It was during the last um, shutout or whatever it's called with the player association. Yeah exactly. yeah, exactly. So in reference to that and then going after the NFLPA's um, president, uh, uh, Smith, I believe. Uh, for Mary Smith, yeah. Mary Smith, um, essentially calling him a whole bunch of racist names and getting stuck into him. Um, mm. Which, you know, in writing, not a great idea. Not um, a great idea. Yeah, but then Monday, I think it came, well, Monday their time, it came out during the... Um, I think it was half start half. start of Monday Night Football. Um, start or half time? I, well, I think it came out at the start of the match that they'd, you know, they had seven years worth of emails. Essentially, from 2011 yeah. to 2018, um, they had a whole range of things, and he went after everyone. Um, so he went after uh, media personalities, um, you know, uh, very much going against uh, the LGBT. I think I got that right. Crowd. Um, uh, movement essentially yep. uh, getting stuck into some of the media personalities about their preferences um, as well, uh, being a bit misogynist. Um, then, of course, sexist getting stuck in the women in league. So, uh, ev- everyone was confident from Gruden in these emails over the span of when he was at ESPN. Uh, when he finished up in 2018 and then joined the Raiders, there's nothing really since then. Uh, but, you know, they found a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, New York Times have I think well, New York Post, one of the two New York publications, was going to release it all. Um, so then yep. at halftime, so within the an hour, an hour and a half of that game happening, um, Gruden um, and uh, so Mike Davis. What's the the Raiders owner's name? Because Al's the dad. I can't remember the son. It's something. Uh, it is Davis. I can I can drag that up. Sure it's Mike Davis. But he, he came into the train into the into. Um, into the facility to meet with John saying, hey, all the shit's coming out. Everything's getting leaked. Um, there's so much. What are we going to do? You know, what are you going to do about it? And, you know, mutually agree, I'm going to resign. Let's, 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 let's start. I don't want to take away from Raiders football. I'm following my own sword here. Um, I've been caught, essentially, caught with saying things behind closed doors that um, you, you know, 
white guys in power usually um, do bad things behind closed doors. Um, mm. Just look at history. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm not naming oh, names. I'm well, just giving well, a very generic statement there. <laughs> uh, um, but, you know, he's been caught out in this regard. Uh, nearly all the emails that they kind of referenced were to Bruce Allen, who was the general manager at the time for the Washington Football Club. And this is kind of where it gets interesting because the whole point of why they found these things was they were doing the cultural review of the Washington football team after uh, Bruce Allen's and his cultural things there with um, Dan Snyder and his um, sexism towards the cheerleaders and his office stuff as well, that um, Roger Goodell actually commissioned this uh, this review and said, go through 650,000 emails and find me some dirt. Um they seem to have found all the dirt on John Gruden and no one else. Uh, so I think there's, when I, I think I might have mentioned it, the, the conspiracy here of uh, the difference between a head coach and a billion-dollar owner, um, how there's, they're not going to release anything on the Washington Football Club. It seems to be all sweet by all accounts. Then the report is there's no more news going to come out about um, any of their emails. So potentially there's been no cultural issues over there. Which I think most people can probably agree is bullshit. Um, but it seems like it's been swept on the rug and um, the lamb to the slaughter has been John Gruden here. I'm not saying he's uh, what he said is right or anything. He's no, cool. shit, but he's he's the one that's taken all the bullets for this um, while the Washington football team gets off quite lightly. Um, the final note that I put here was Scheffner caught a bit of heat as well in this because he, I think in that same lockdown, um, 2011 wrote a story and sent it off to um, send it off to Bruce Allen to actually review and say, change it as you want, uh, make any edits uh, you need on this story, send it back to me and I'll get it published by ESPN. So essentially Bruce Allen was his editor, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, goes a lot against um, uh, say Sheffner's inside sources and uh, Bruce Allen's, I don't even get myself involved in the media at all. Uh, so I, again, interesting. There's, uh, the backroom, backdoor stuff that happens um, in the NFL, uh, you know, what happens behind closed doors, they try to keep quiet, but it seems like a lot of shit happens uh, and you put it in writing and emails, um, some of the stuff might be found, found out at Hillary Clinton. Um, <laughs> that is what I said earlier. Uh, the first email <laughs> that got released uh, regarding the appearance of one of his players' lips, I thought, oh, here we go, snooze fest, someone's not, you know, you can't fire a bloke over that. Uh, I was much more interested in uh, the emails uh, around Hillary and Bill Clinton uh, from 10 years ago, but it did seem like uh, the more we found out about it, the more and more that John had incriminated himself, yeah, uh, Mm. you know, pretty much saying stuff about every minority group that's under the sun, um, and, yeah, interesting in that it had started out as an investigation into the higher-ups at the Washington football team. Will we find out more about Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder? Uh, I guess we'll have to keep an eye on it. But uh, something that was quite interesting, I thought, was uh, Tampa Bay uh, pretty much cutting all ties with John uh, immediately after this, uh, won them their first Super Bowl uh, it was his first year uh, as the head coach of the club. Um, look, definitely not condoning any of the behaviour or, or what's come through in the emails, but it is a it is a weird time that we live in, in that things will be backdated 20 years and anything that you may have accomplished in a sporting arena 
uh, or otherwise uh, can be taken away uh, if you've displayed this kind of behaviour. I'd like to quote Derek Carr, and I imagine uh, he, his thoughts probably sum up a lot of uh, the, the players that have played under John Gruden. He said, uh, I love the man, but I hate the sin. Um, by all accounts, an excellent leader, an excellent coach. But look, you if you're exhibiting that kind of behaviour, um, you, you're not going to last in uh, in today's day and age, and nor should you. So, um, yeah, an end of an era there, I guess, with the Raiders and um, and also uh, beforehand with the Bucks. Monks, as a Bucks fan and someone that sort of got interested uh, in them after you know th- that Super Bowl win back in 02 and when Gruden was the head coach back there. Uh, what's your thoughts around this? Yeah, it, it is a tough one. Um... Because, yeah, it, it is very hard, I guess, to separate the man from the coach. Um, I think, I, I guess, fortunately, I guess in Tampa Bay's favour, that Super Bowl winning team was built by um, Tony Dungy as well. Gruden did come in that, that one year and did make some changes to the offence um, and was able to, to pull together an offence that would help or supplement think- that defence to win win a championship. Yeah, it really gave them that drive. I think they missed. Under time. Yeah, I think yeah. It was um, they, they needed that passion and that kind of pushed them over the edge. Exactly, and yeah, you you always see see the memes and hear the talk about Gruden being being chucky and that evil sort of um, hard nosed kind of coach. Um, I, I guess from Tampa Bay's point of view, um, they've removed him from the ring of honor. Um, honor probably being the operative word there. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, I guess the actions of of the men um, outside of the coach um, doesn't really reflect, I suppose, the the ideals behind um, behind that. Um, interesting that you mentioned and quoted Derek Carr before. I was was reading during the week that um, Gruden just finished building his three million dollar house out at Las Vegas, and his next door neighbor is Derek Carr. So. <laughs> Seems like that. Seems like neither will be moving anywhere anytime soon. Um, it, I guess it is good to hear that uh, players can still sort of support and help John through, I guess, the next stage of his life and sort of start um, piecing things together. And I suppose hopefully we are able to see change and forgiveness through all this as well. Yeah, it'll be. And you, you know, coaching staff they move families to come and join. Um, there's probably going to be a new head coach and a new coaching staff in there. So there's, this doesn't just affect John as well. It affects the entire Raiders organization. So, they, you know, they're, they're in a rough patch at the moment. We'll we'll talk about that when we get to the preview of their game. I just want to say, back to kind of Peps and in your point there, Pe- um, Monkey, as well, like you can't write, re- rewrite history. You'll always be the head coach that won mm-hmm. that Super Bowl for Tampa. But as Monk said, yeah. he's no longer being honoured for that by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm. And you know none of the others were on him. Um, yeah, it's yeah good first move. Um, Tim Bay might want to go look at uh, Warren Sapp's uh, rap seat because he's in the <laughs> game as well, and uh, yeah. might have to do some double checking there too. Uh, That's but, it. Well, yeah, surprisingly, haven't really heard anything from too many of the ex players. Um, I think Keyshawn Johnson did come out this week. Um, whether he was jumping on the bandwagon or not, he did mention that he'd always thought of Gruden as a little bit of a fraud or a used car salesman. Um, 
with his, at his time at Tampa Bay as well. So I don't know if that reflects um, some of the behind the scenes stuff. Um, well, I think I think he Bruton said as a coach so. through the year. So. Yeah. yeah, I think post that Super Bowl and post you know reflection on that many years later, both of those guys realised that hey, Tony built this team, mm. and you know, like I said, Gruden kind of gave us the kick in the bum we needed to put us over the edge because we were talented enough to win. Mm. Like you say, uh, he he only spent I think three years there, and then three or four years, and then uh, moved on into his ESPN gig. So, um, you know, it is what it is. It yeah, it's, it's happened. Um, we'll talk about the Raiders more in a minute when we get to that game about how that's going to affect them. Uh, but mm. that's the biggest story that happened in the NFL this week. Um, and, yeah, probably got maybe some other far-reaching outcomes to come out of that. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, it uh, sucks Sucks for Vegas and sucks for, for all those people involved with that organisation currently. Mm. So on a bit of a lighter note, um, we've got to talk about our boy, the Australian, <laughs> Michael Dixon. <laughs> Um, shocking uh, the American population with the double punt, the one-handed pickup. Um, it went a bit viral on Thursday Night Football the day after we did our last podcast. Um, so a bit of old news, but we thought we'd cover it being Australians. Um, he, to, to, to summarise it, he goes, to, he's punting the ball, gets blocked. Um, he, he's, he's the first one to see it. It hits the ground, um, bends over, picks it up one-handed, uh, makes a couple moves. Uh, realizes that he's uh, not the most elite athlete on the field at that point in time. He's not going to house this thing, not going to take the crib. Let's punt it again, and he punts it again for the second time. Um, for a 62-yard gain, I think, was the, the punt. So, yeah, it ended up being uh, flipping the field, um, put uh, the opposition on the 10-yard line, uh, and you know everyone singing his praises uh, for how amazing that was. What were your boys' thoughts on this? I loved this. This was AFL incarnate. Uh, the one hand pick up and then a little bit of a step and and it was a snap. It, it wasn't like a legitimate uh, NFL yeah. style torpedo punt or uh, the drop punt that we've no, seen no uh, brought in by Australian players. This was a round the body snap. Uh, there was some conjecture as to was it past the line of scrimmage. It looked very very close. I think the ruling on the rule actually for this is quite interesting because it's mm-hmm. different from the NRL's ruling on say like a 40-20 where it's foot on ball because his foot and the ball were past the line of scrimmage. Well, but he's plant he's plant foot and the back half of his body, of course, was behind it. Yeah. But I think the rule ends up being any part part of your body is behind the line of scrimmage is where they count it from, not the point of the ball. Opposite to what the NRL rule is. Um, but I thought that was quite interesting. And I won't talk about forward passes when we get to the Colts game because that'll piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was funny. Uh, I can't imagine um, what what motivates people to fight so much online about a ruling like this. Yeah. It's pretty juicy. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much you've got going on in your life if uh, that's what uh, you – tend to spend your time on is arguing over uh, semantics like where, where his foot was, whether it passed the 21 or 20 yard line or whatever it was. But uh, a really cool thing uh, obviously made uh, some headlines here in Australia. Michael Dixon, one of the premier punters in the National Football League and uh, a really silky, um, you know, spur of the moment kind of thing there with that with that double pump. But let's move in, boys. I just want to finish off before you move on there. Um, 
But I, w- I will say, and for any of our American listeners, um, you know, the one-handed pickup, uh, I think every kid in, in Australian schools can do that. So it's it's not not something that's out of the ordinary for us just because of the sports we play and where the ball ends up, which is on the ground uh, quite a lot, uh, means you've got to bend down and pick it up. So, yeah. It's, you it's, mention every kid in Australia. Uh, me as a six-foot-six, six, uh, not very mobile ruckman, uh, Except may, I may be, may be the exception to that one. I, I struggle picking it up two hands, uh, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, definitely. And you see it in the NRL as well, blokes coming and scooping up from dummy half with one hand. But it was – it was look, it was a risky move. They were in their own uh, – mm. in their own 20 there, and, and he nailed it. So, yeah, good to see Michael Dixon there uh, getting uh, a little bit of Aussie exposure on the, on the big stage that is the NFL. Definitely, Peps. And as you mentioned a second ago, with that, I think we need to preview some games and run through some of the games uh, this week. Thursday night football kicks off, of course, with Tampa Bay taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Big news, Gronk's still out with his rib injury. Um, Mm -hmm. I think they are a bit worried it could be worse than they thought with uh, cracks to broken uh, ribs, but we'll have to see um, what happens with Gronk there. He has taken some good shots this year, so... um, probably don't need him against Philadelphia like they didn't need him last week. So uh, good rest for Gronk. Saving for the back end of the season when you do need him is important. Uh, the other bloke, though, that uh, you'd think would start to wear down at some point is Brady, but he's ageless. Another 400-plus yards, five touchdowns um, against a good defense. Uh, leads the league in passing yards, second in touchdowns. Do you think he could get an MVP at 44? I think he probably doesn't want it. Just generally, the MVP doesn't go on to win the Super Bowl. I think he prefers that seventh ring, but hey, uh, we'll see how it goes. Early days, is, of course, but he's got uh, excellent talent there. AB's back, killing it, had massive games. Mike Evans, mm. huge target, always going to um, kill it with the ball. Uh, on the flip side, to finish off this wrap-up, Philly did knock off Carolina. Bit of a defensive struggle there, um, but do you think they stand a chance tomorrow? I'm going to go out on a limb and say no Tampa Bay um, for me in this one. I'll jump in before we pass over to our resident Bucks fan. I'm going to agree with you. I don't see Philadelphia troubling them that much. I suppose we've got to think two weeks ago uh, where they went up to New England. We didn't think that New England stood a chance in that game, and they played pretty well. They did have the Belichick factor, a bloke that coached Tom Brady for 20-odd years. Uh, going back to Brady. He's 44 years old. If there's anyone that was to break this kind of uh, hoodoo, I suppose, on the MVP, uh, to win an MVP and a Super Bowl ring, it would have to be uh, this fucking twilight uh, vampire motherfucker that just keeps looking younger and younger every year and uh, and just doing ridiculous things for a bloke his age. We compare, you know, we were speaking at length last week about Big Ben and how busted up he looks and how old he looks and how slow he looks and how unathletic he looks. He's six years younger than, than Tom Brady, uh, so let that sink in. Monks, I'll throw it to you. I, I obviously tip the bucks. Um, what can, do you... can I just couple for you to that cover off a point? Uh, so the last MVP to win a Super Bowl uh, was 1999 and Kurt Warner. So 99, Kurt Warner, Gratishaw on turf. 
It's quite some time, isn't it? It's quite some time. We've also seen it in the NBA. I think it's, you've got to go quite some time before you see someone win the MVP and a ring as well. Can you, uh, can you, can you guess the total number of MVPs that have won a Super Bowl? Three? Ten. Oh, well, I was right. There you go. It's, it's easy, mate. <laughs> Ten people have done it. Ten it's people like, have done it. Surely the greatest NFL player of all time can do it when he's 44. True. So it sounds like a stew. Yeah. How, how, well, how many Super Bowls have there been? 56 now? Yeah, so let's call it one in six chance. But exactly. obviously hasn't happened for 20-odd years. Mm-hmm. Uh, two bucks tips here. Obviously, Monks will tip the bucks. Uh, your thoughts and the odds, please. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't want to say it's a bit of a trap game, but it, it will be interesting to watch. Um, so not only Gronk's out, uh, Levante David is also out. Um, so how that um, plays into the linebacking core, um, I, I guess he will be missed. Um, I do have to eat my words a little bit from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Sherman has been pretty good for us. Uh, <laughs> has definitely been, definitely helped our secondary out, which I am very happy for. Um, as you mentioned, obviously I've gone bucks. Uh, they are favorites at dollar thirty-four. Uh, the Eagles out at three dollars twenty-seven. Um, and we've got total match points of fifty-two and a half. That is a lot of points. Uh, we we have seen the Eagles uh being able to put up a few points through the Jalen Hurts run offense. I think something that maybe needs to be spoken about is that. Philadelphia defense. Uh, they've been a bit hot and cold, but were pretty good last mm. week. They picked off Sam Darnold three times. Uh, so be interesting to see how they go against Tampa tomorrow. But I agree. I think Tampa wins this game. Should we move through to Sunday, lads? Yes. Yeah. And Let's we'll start off with the early games, of course. Um, two not the greatest games in the world. Uh, we've got Miami 1 and 4 taking on Jacksonville 0 and 5. That is in London. It's the second game that'll be in London. Um, interesting enough, they're looking at games in Germany. Nothing official yet, but they're yeah. potentially going to mm. be a couple of games in Germany. Trying That's to make a few years away as well. Yeah, a few years away, of course, but they're trying to spread the game, of course, especially into Europe. Maybe a re-kick start our Europe League might be interesting. Mm. Um I think Pep's put this one here. How good for English fans. They get two of the worst teams in football after copying Falcons and Jets last week. I ended up not too bad of a game. It was yeah, close and hard for it. So, but it's, it's, we're not talking about the premier teams here that we think are going to be playing playoffs football come the end of the season. No, no not uh, by any means. Yeah, Pep says uh, dr- traded uh, Miles Gaskin. Uh, had a big day in the loss to the Bucks, of course. Um, the Finns, he's looking pretty ordinary. Tua, I think, back training. Don't think he's playing for this, though. I don't think he travelled or will travel for this game. Um, Jags, of course, got smashed by King Henry last week. They're still looking for their first win. Uh, Robinson ran the ball well, got almost a buck fitty, um, but also a tutter for him. Uh, what are your boys thinking of this? I'm going to go out on a limb and say I think this is Jags' first win of the season. Uh, they do play well in London for whatever reason. Uh you know, Urban Myers finally got the heat off him. It's all on John Gruden. <laughs> uh, they're going to come out and win this game against Miami. I want to say, oh, you bastard, because this is my upset. <laughs> um, and I think I sent you boys a meme uh, of Urban Meyer this week. Uh, pretty much him just just uh, very thankful that a lot of the media storm is off him. And uh, it was simply a picture of uh, Urban Meyer and the caption being, Hey, you guys heard about John Gruden? 
Um, <laughs> obviously, a lot of the pressure comes off him uh, after his, uh, you know, his grew and grinders last week. Let's let's put it that way. Uh, I agree. I think Jacksonville haven't been that bad. Uh, same to be said about the Detroit Lions, the other 0-5 team. We'll get to them in a second. Uh, I imagine that they probably aren't favourites here, but Miami aren't really impressing me by any means. I'll go the Jags and Monks. If you wouldn't mind your tip and the odds, please. Yeah, um, I've gone Jags as well. Um, oh, a little cursor. It's yeah, sounds like it. Um, I've even gone so far as to um, pick up the Jags defense as well <laughs> against Miami. Wow. Bit of a stretch, but um, aren't they? They're the worst defense in the league. They're the bottom three defense in the league so far, I believe. Something like that, but <laughs> Dolphins' offense isn't all that great at the moment. Yeah, crazy shit in other weeks and been right, so we'll see. <laughs> Very true. They're a far cry from the Saxonville of years past. That, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, so we'll see. Um, What's... Yeah, so Jacksonville are underdogs, $2.51. The Dolphins are favourites at $1.53. Wow. Uh, we've got a total match points of 47. Wow. I... The Jags for fun. And I like the unders. I like the unders. Yeah. From one thrilling game to another thrilling game, the Houston Texans take on the Indianapolis Colts. They're both one and four. The Texans actually, don't sell them short, they went very close to knocking off the Patriots last week. Davis Mills by far having his most impressive uh, game as a pro. 312 passing yards, three touchdowns, not quite enough to get them past the Pats. And boys, how about that Monday night football game? Uh, I, I actually was working the afternoon. I kind of missed uh, a lot of the second half, Uh Seems to be the half not to miss. Yeah. Uh, did you guys catch much of this? What happened to the Colts? They had a lead and uh, they end up going down in overtime. Yeah, and uh, we can talk. We'll talk more about how electric Lamar is later. But I think the big issue for Colts is they lost both their corners and had practice squad guys essentially at their playing corner. Um, and then the Ravens got red hot and you put two and two together. And, yeah, the, I think they were a bit lacking on defense there to finish out the, the game, unfortunately, for them. Um, besides that, though, they were looking really good because they were healthy. And I think Wentz, finally, he's over his ankle sprains. He looked pretty good back there. Uh, I think they're starting um, to hit their groove a little bit, especially on offense. Um, Jonathan Taylor looked good. The defense was looking pretty good up until that point, of course, where they just fell apart. And I think their secondary, they just didn't have the depth there to cover off all the guys they had injured and out. Um, I like the Colts in this one. I've picked them for, for this match because I think uh, Wentz is starting to hit a tear. Mo, Mo Alley Cox outside of Pittman has been pretty good for them too. Um, Jonathan Taylor had a, a massive, I think, 70-yard touchdown. He's looking rock solid. Uh Oh, I just think they're a better football team overall currently than Houston is. Uh, so I've backed them uh, for this one. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think the Colts uh, get the job done here. Although Houston have been a bit better than people have suggested or had suggested leading into uh, the season. They are only one and four. I get that. But they've uh, actually been competitive in most of their games, uh, except for the one against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, for the Colts, Michael Pittman has really established himself as wide receiver one. I think I'd pick him up in our fantasy league this year, so probably watch him go to shit now that I've done that. 
<laughs> the Colts, look, they're one and four, but this division is not very strong. Uh, by, by all means, there's still uh, a definite chance to make the playoffs. It's early days, but they'll want to put games like this away. Uh, amongst your tips and the odds, please. Yep. Um, yeah, I've gone Colts as well. Um, they are pretty heavy favourites at $1.20 here. Uh, Texans are out at $4.60 at the moment. Uh, got total match points of uh, 43 and a half. Yeah, interesting there. Uh, quite a low line, uh, but I probably wouldn't be touching that one, to be honest. I, look, the Colts can win this. And, and if they don't, then there's serious questions around them being a playoff team. Yeah. Mm. Next matchup, we've got Green Bay at 4-1 taking on Chicago. At 3-2 at the moment, still going along. Uh, Packers did get an overtime win and a good game against the Bengals there. Uh, probably not the greatest kicking. Last week wasn't the greatest kicking overall for kickers. I think they missed a total of 11 extra points. Yeah, I did uh, read that, yeah. And a bunch of field goals. Um, there was, what, five missed field goals? Winning field goals potentially in this between the two teams. Yeah. Um, which no, you not- don't expect from Crosby, but hey. Not the greatest kicking may be uh, the biggest understatement of this <laughs> podcast. This was the most sh- shitty-ass kicking I've ever seen in a game of NFL ever. Uh, there were five <laughs> game winners on the line. Crosby missed three of them and the Bengals kicker missed two. Uh, I'm a Packers fan and I've got Mason Crosby in my fantasy team and I was just watching this just going, you've got to be <laughs> shitting me. Some of them, you know, within 40 yards, the bloke had, like, Mailed like over 20 in a row from under 40 yards. So, uh, yeah, pretty concerning. But they got home uh, with a, with a W. The Packers are four and one. Uh, aside from that week one game where they got absolutely pants by the Saints, have looked pretty good. Uh, and uh, two horses look two horses look pretty good. Monkeys fantasy team. Uh, Devontae Adams. Uh, he's uh, on the Monkey Go Go Rangers. Uh, he had 11 catches for 206 yards and a touchdown uh, and was a big key in Monks putting up 199 point something in his fantasy demolition of my Peps Mongrels this weekend <laughs> just passed. The, uh, yep. the Bears... Considering their offense is pretty bad, um, they, they came off... Um, that win against the Raiders, where I think we all tipped the Raiders. Uh, this was a little bit of an upset. Uh, Justin Fields was so, um, but what, it seems like they're bad. Yeah, the, I think the Bears' defense, um, you know, got them got them through that one. They're three and two. Uh, one of the oldest, oldest rivalries in football here. I've hey. obviously gone. I've obviously gone with my heart, and I've tipped the Packers. What do you boys reckon? Yeah, I was just in that game as well against the Raiders. Um, it was 29 um, to finish that game off. They had 35 uh, rushing attempts to only 20 passes. So um, very much relied on uh, Kalia Herbert and Damian Williams there to get them over the line for, for rushing. Uh, but like you said, defensive battle. Raiders, I think, Raiders fading, um, as mm. you will. Uh, so we'll have to see how that goes. Can't go past Green Bay. They hit their, they're in their mojo at the moment. They've hit their stride. Um, I'm back in the back in the pack. Mm. Um, yeah, back to pack as well. Um, they are favourites a dollar forty four. Um, Bears are at two dollars eighty at the moment, and we've got total match points of forty four and a half. 
Um, probably in think, Chicago, maybe not. Yeah. Uh, it's not super cold yet. Nah, not not just yet. Mm. Nah. I'd avoid it for now. <laughs> uh, moving on. Moving on. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, surprisingly, two and three, take on the mm. Washington football team, mm. also two and three. Uh, Chiefs did get embarrassed at home by the Red Hot Bills. Um, and I think the the note here is very poignant. The Chiefs' defense is just not where it is um, of last year. And uh, their offensive line, you know, even though it's a rebuilt offensive line, just doesn't have the chemistry yet. And yeah. looking like the banged-up offensive line of Super Bowl of yesteryear. So I think they're, um, they've got the talent. They can definitely pull it back in, but they've got some things to fix up. Um, and uh, what's not going to help them, of course, is getting CEH, um, Edwards Hilaire, on injured reserve. Um, mm. I think he's got season done, but six weeks um, from memory. Um, I don't know if they've got a timeline. It's definitely going to be up, up to a few weeks. Um, so he's going to be riding the bench for me in fantasy. Um, so, yeah, left, left knee MCL str- uh, sprain. A couple of months, I'd say. Uh, so, yeah. Darryl- Daryl Williams comes in and hopefully we'll have an immediate fantasy impact uh, for anyone out there looking for running back help. Uh, speaking of woeful defenses, though, we've got to go over to uh, Washington football team. They've got an elite front four. Maybe you can throw in the seven, but their secondary uh, has been struggling um, and they just not where they used to be. They did lose to the Saints last, last week. Heineke threw two picks. Fitzgerald, I think, still a week away. I don't think he's back for this game. Um, I might double-check that while I get your thoughts. I think Kansas. Um, they should be a better overall outfit um, with the alien that is Patty Mahomes as their quarterback. Yeah, Chiefs for mine. Uh, they are two and three, uh, but have lost to some pretty good teams, let's be honest. They've, they've lost to the Bills, they've lost to the Ravens, and they've lost to the Chargers, who all uh, have good uh, winning records. Look, did anyone expect uh, us to be in week six or going into week six and talking about the Chiefs being two and three? No, uh, but I still think they're a playoff-caliber team uh, with Patty Mahomes at the helm. I, look, losing CEH is not good. I don't think it affects them that badly. They're not a pound-the-rock kind of team. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, I've, I've gone the Chiefs here, and I think they get their season back on track this weekend. Yeah, and confirmed Fitzpatrick's week seven, so he's about another week away. They think. Another hop for Heineke. Uh, Monks, give us some odds. Yeah, um, yeah, I've gone to Chiefs as well. Um, they are favourites at dollar thirty-one. Uh, the football team is out at three dollars fifty-two, and we've got a line of sixty. Ah, uh, fifty-six. Fifty. That is high. That is mm. very high. Uh, yeah, I think two, two one side. I think. Yeah. Yeah, as they're expecting a lot of the Chiefs to get that number. I don't think they'll have a good enough dance partner in Washington. Um, no, I don't think the football team's offense is good enough to justify that kind of line. But um, they're, they're they're just hoping to pray at the moment with Scary Terry. Um, that's really where it is. Or uh, Gibson breaking a big one. That's that's kind of what they're looking at. Mm. But hey, yeah. the Chiefs' defense has been yeah, ordinary, very ordinary. Yeah, that that. that Maybe that's what they're thinking. They'll leak a few points. Minnesota, Carolina up next. Two and three Minnesota taking on the three and two Carolina Panthers. Uh, Vikings did escape escape with a win against Detroit, which um, we didn't think would be as close. Uh, mm. 
Mm. Once can you tell? Let me know how Davin Cook's going. But in his stead, Madison, another you know another uh, 113 rush yards, uh, got another 40 receiving and a TD, doing really well in his stead. Um, Panthers dropped two in a row now after their hot start. Uh, we may have put the curse on them, uh, picking them last week. They threw three <laughs> picks. Um, uh, Chubba, Chubba Hubba uh, got 24 <laughs> carries and 100 yards. I think McCaffrey as well is still a little bit away. Um, he's getting very close, though, from all accounts. Marks, do you have an update on Cook? Oh, I check McCaffrey. Um, looks like he is... Where are we? He's still limited practice. Um, haven't really got too many details outside of that. Um, yeah. Okay, limited. Like getting some limited practice in probably helps. Um, CMC on the yeah. other side, he's fifty-fifty. Uh, hopeful to play this week. So uh, interesting there. I've picked the Vikings. Yeah, kind of flipping this. I think these are two teams roughly in the same sort of spot. Mm. I just, oh, I don't know. I just like Minnesota maybe a little bit more than where Carolina currently is. See. I I really like that tip, Sean. I've also gone the Vikings. I hope this isn't a curse on the Panthers. And they're very similar in that they're both NFC teams that aren't the best in their division. They're both playing behind really strong teams in uh, in the Bucks and the Packers, uh, but definitely will be putting their hands up to, to clinch that second division spot. And uh, obviously uh, by that, a, a very important matchup. Uh, Monks, mm. you going to put a curse on or are you going to go to the Panthers? No, I'm going to keep this interesting and uh, I've gone the Panthers. Um, mm. Yeah, no, no real reason. Um, that being said, they are underdogs. They're currently sitting $1.99. The Vikings are at $1.82. And we've got total match points of 45 and a half. So pretty much a coin flip there. Uh, yeah. Probably wouldn't be betting on a on a match winner there, but... Well, what, was, what, was, what was the total match points? Uh, 45 and a half. Sean's making faces Hello. for those listening. And- yes, sorry. I'm <laughs> hogs turning um, uh, for those listening. Um that's the one to think about. Um, LA Chargers <laughs> taking on the Baltimore Ravens, both four and one. Probably the match of the round, I'd say. Um, yeah. At Macca, at Pappy for this. Um, yeah. Two of our good mates, uh, Esky contributors. A uh, bit of back and forth. We'll see who comes out on top. Um, uh, will stats matter? This game will tell us. Uh, Chargers, of course, coming after a wild shootout. Um, excellent fourth quarter against the Browns. Finished up 47-42. Herbert was 400 yards-ish before touchdowns, uh, currently sitting 13 touchdowns, three intercepts on the season uh, with a, a passing record or passing rating, sorry, of 104.7. Uh, Mike Williams, another excellent game from him. Uh, eight, eight receptions, uh, buck 60 with two tatters. Uh, and then Baltimore on the other side, as we mentioned before, had that ridiculous fourth quarter themselves against the Colts where Lamar just came into his own um, he threw for all over 400 passes, uh, only had 16 incompletes, uh, in, incompletions, sorry, um, four touchdowns from him. Uh, no, he had six, six incompletions. 
Yes, this is what I said. Six incompletes, incompletions. I thought, you, I thought you said 16. I think you said uh, six. six. And I six. think you also said 400 attempts as well. <laughs> 400 passing yards. Uh, my brain said it, my mouth didn't. Um, he finished up with the highest completion percentage uh, of over 40 passing attempts ever. Um, and uh, Peps, do you want to do the, the SpongeBob meme for us? Um, with it? He's just yeah, a flipwreck. The SpongeBob or, or the Homer Simpson one where, where he goes, Look, Marge, uh, where my Lamar haters at? He's just a running back. <laughs> uh, look, he, he is an excellent quarterback. He's an MVP winner. The fact that people still want to shit on this guy is beyond me. He's shown his arm talent in this one. He actually didn't even run the ball effectively uh, in this game at all. I think he had 14 attempts for about 60 they, they, yards. They didn't get, get their 100 yards, so they tied the record they, with the Steelers for 40 That's right. They, didn't, they couldn't go past the Steelers. Uh, but he, he's just a freak. The, the fact, like, people will just pick anything that they want to be negative about or shit on. Um, and, you know, a lot of hype around Lamar coming in to the NFL draft. Can he do it at an NFL level? He's just got legs. He doesn't have the arm talent. Fuck off. Every single <laughs> that that, you know, want to spin that yarn that he's just a running back and then he's got no arm talent. You don't know football and you're irrelevant. So piss off. Uh, looking forward to this game, two teams that are four and one, two AFC contenders. Um, this one's a hard one to pick. It's at Baltimore. Cool boy. On the spot, on the spot, on the spot. I'm going to go Baltimore just because of the crazy shit that that man Lamar Jackson can do. Yeah. I, I'm in the Pappas camp. I've gone Chargers. Uh, maybe I think their defense is in a better state currently than the Raiders is, but we'll have to see. Um, I say that they gave up 42 points to the Browns, but no. That's right. And you said Raiders as well, I think, Len. So <laughs> the mind's all over the place, Sean. I don't, I'm sure I said Chargers. And, uh, no, no, no. Uh, in place of Ravens. Anyways, Ravens? it'll be better when we're back back in the studio and we can really tell in live uh, terms what we are saying. Monks. One or two beverages. Would, doesn't matter. Here you go. You have the, you have the casting. Casting vote here. Yes, Sean. Email me one of those uh, Canadian clubs. I'd love one. Uh, you have you have the the deciding uh, tip here. One Baltimore, one Chargers. Who you got? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I have gone the Ravens. Um. Yeah, I. Yeah, Lamar. I I'm on that bandwagon at the moment. Um. I think it's it's going to be. I think it's going to be a real close game. Um, I reckon, yeah, watch out for that fourth quarter. There's both um, Lamar and Herbert are going to be um, slinging that ball. Um, Ravens are favourites $1.65. The Chargers are out at $2.25 at the moment. And we've got a total match points of 52 and a half. Ty. I don't mind. No, I don't mind the overs there at all. Uh, what what do we see in the Browns Chargers game? Forty seven, forty two. Quick maths. That's eighty nine. Eighty nine points. Uh, I I reckon we see another shootout again this week. Yeah, I could definitely back that. And mm. fifty two. Yeah, that's not a bad one. <laughs> Next game, uh, Bengals, Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Detroit Lions. As mentioned before, Lions are zero and five. Bengals are three and two. 
Uh, Bengals went so close to knocking off the pack last week and they went to overtime. Lamar Chase is looking everything like um, the stud first round wide receiver that everyone thought he'd be. Um, I think he, well, at the moment he's leading the offensive player, offensive rookie player of the year, um, uh, you know, ahead of all the, the current um, quarterbacks. I think he's got seven touchdowns on the year or something already, 500 plus yards. Um well, I think you got five touchdowns. Five? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But got a touchdown in this game. Um, oh, five. I should read our notes. Five already this year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, on the flip side, Detroit, they did have that heartbreaking loss um, to the Vikings the second time this year. They've been by a late field goal. Uh, interesting little tidbit here. Um, Post game with the pack, Aaron Rodgers was telling Burrow he needs to slide a bit more. Mm. Don't take the hits. Um, probably take that from a quarterback. He's been in the league 15 plus years. Uh, you know, avoiding punishment is beneficial for longevity. What do you guys think this one? I think Bengals are a team on the ascendancy. I've picked them. Yeah, I've gone the Bengals too. Uh, my heart goes out to Detroit fans. They've obviously lost two games uh, by a game-winning field goal. One of them being an NFL record. Uh, in that loss to the Ravens. And then they've also played some pretty good teams in Green Bay and the 49ers uh, and the Ravens, as we just spoke about, where they weren't embarrassed. But unfortunately for Lions fans, I do think it goes 0-6. And and I think Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and co. get the win here for the Bengals uh, and will improve to 4-2. and It's, uh, It's a testament to Joe Burrow that Aaron Rodgers was saying to him, Look, you need a slide. You've got generational talent. Uh, we want to see you in this league for a long, long time. Um, so so a big shout-out to Joe Burrow. That Bengals team is doing a bit more than people had expected this year. Uh, so I think they get the win here. Odds? Yep. Um, yeah, I've gone Bengals as well. Uh, like you both mentioned, they're moving in the right direction. Um, tough to be a long-suffering Lions fan. Uh, Bengals are favourites at $1.50 at the moment. The Lions are out at $2.60, and we've got total match points of 47.5. Probably wouldn't be touching any of that. Uh, the final early game this week is the Los Angeles Rams taking on the New York Giants. The Rams got that W last week against the Seahawks, and it was less than convincing considering uh, the Hawks were without Russell Wilson for most of the second half. Bobby Trees finally got a bit of a game. Uh, the man... Uh, the wide receiver, Robert Woods, he had 12 catches for 150 yards after a bit of a sluggish start to the year. And the Giants, they copped a bit of a beatdown from the Cowboys. However, they did lose Saquon Barkley very early in the game and then Daniel Jones. Uh, Munts, if you wouldn't mm. mind, uh, are you ready to go uh, now for an injury update on those two? Yeah, yeah, not just those two. It seems like the whole team's injured at the moment. Um, so... Okay. Yeah, Jones is questionable at the moment. Um, so he would not have practiced today, but um, they're hopeful that he'll um, suit up for for the game. Uh, Barkley seems to be doubtful at the moment. Um, and yeah, besides then, they've got uh, Connie. Ah, uh, sorry, Kenny Golladay's uh, doubtful. Sterling Shepard's questionable. I think Golladay's. Um, I think in his weeks. Um, I thought I saw it six weeks mm. for him. Yeah, potentially. Um, they've also um, Slayton is questionable as well. Um, 
So I don't know who they've got at receivers at the moment. Um, I know. Yeah. Golladay was one to six. Oh, sorry, one to two weeks uh, with mm. an injury. You avoided anything major, which was they were worried was going to be the six weeks. So very good there. Uh, yeah. Um, on the yeah, football side, offense is banged up. Um, but mm. a shout out to Kadarius Tony, the bloke uh, who I did think everything is, this week. Yeah, he did everything. The twenty second <laughs> overall pick, and in a in a receiving class which includes Jamar Chase, who we just spoke about, um, and also guys like Jalen Waddle, who's been pretty good for the Dolphins. Uh, Devonta Smith, obviously the Heisman winner over at Philadelphia. This guy's pretty pretty bloody good himself. He had ten catches. 189 yards. He looks really shifty. He looks like he can make guys miss. What he needs to get under wraps is the attitude. Uh, he got fired up. He got ejected for throwing a punch last week. I'm, he might have even got suspended for this game. Uh, I'm not. You might. One of you might need to look that one up. I think it's uh, like fine um, for punching. So again, he's he's listed as questionable on the injury report. Uh, Pain related. Dealing with a uh, no ankles. I've never understood why people throw punches in the NFL when guys have still got their helmet on. You're not going to do too much damage, let's be honest. Uh, an interesting one in terms of uh, fantasy relevance is Devontae Booker. He uh, he came straight in for Saquon and had immediate impact, ran the ball a lot. I think he had a receiving touchdown uh, for any fantasy pundits out there that need to pick up a running back. He might be one to look at. Look, we're really thinking of Saquon. Uh, I lost him in one of my leagues. Um, coming back, obviously, off an ACL. It, it looked pretty nasty. It swelled up like a goose egg, um, but not always an indication of long-term damage there uh, in the ankle. Uh, let's let's just hope, uh, you know, maybe he misses this week and then they can strap the fuck out of it and uh, get him back on the field because he was starting to look like old Saquon. Nonetheless, uh, pretty tall order for the Giants to win this, you'd think. Uh, I've tipped the Rams. I imagine uh, both of you blokes have, just to confirm. Yep, Rams. Uh, yep. The odds, please, Monks. And, uh, yeah, maybe the line might be interesting here. The line? Yeah. Um, so total match point. Sorry, head-to-head. Uh, Rams are favourites at dollar nineteen. Giants are out at $4.70. Total match points of 48 and a half. And we've got a line of nine and a half. It's a lot. It's a lot. I eh, probably wouldn't be putting my money there, but I think this is a pretty safe bet head to head. I think the Rams take care of business here. Yep. That ends uh, the early games and we move into the late games and probably one of the other really good um, games coming up. Um, yeah. In spite of Cleveland's record, of course, but Arizona 5-0 and taking on Cleveland Browns 3-2. and um, both uh, being very good to start the year. Uh, Cards got a scrappy win over the 49ers, though. What did that finish? 17-7, I think, from uh, 17-10, I think. Yeah, low scoring. Um, Chandler Jones mm. has COVID. Yeah, well, he's got COVID symptoms. He's in the protocol, so he, he'll be out. But he's had a quiet week, um, quiet season so far since week one. Uh, they are the only undefeated team left. Um, are they the best team? Maybe. We'll debate that in a second. Cleveland, though, they, as mentioned, coming off that shootout with the the, the Chargers with the Bolts, uh, they did have 200-plus rushing yards with Chubb and Hunt both feasting, getting tutters as well. Um, and then uh, Njoku, uh, the tight end uh, for them, uh, David Njoku, uh, he got seven for a buck 50 and a tutter as well. 
Is he fantasy relevant? I think he's injured. Um, is actually uh, is he? There. Um, I think he ended up on their injury report uh, today from memory. Someone chase that up because I've got Robert Tonyan uh, as a Packers fan in fantasy who's been – I think he's the 32nd best tight end in the league, so essentially the worst tight end, uh, you know. Nursing knee injury, uh, rest maybe rest day today. So we'll see okay. how it goes, but, yeah. Um, coming off, <laughs> off, off all that extra running he was doing on the weekend. Yeah. Massive game. <laughs> massive game for Njoku. Uh, it's pretty disappointing yeah. when you put up 42 points and lose, especially how highly touted that Cleveland Browns defense had been leading into that one. Uh, maybe that's testament mm-hmm. to how good the Chargers are uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Well, you asked the question just before, Sean, are Arizona the best team in football? The record suggests yes. I I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna uh, they they're definitely in the conversation. Uh, from what I saw by the Bills on the weekend, um, to go out there in prime time and and smack down, uh, you know, two time uh, Super Bowl uh, team in the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I reckon the Bills are the best team in football right now. But Arizona's definitely in the conversation. And I tell you what, if they win this game and go six and zero, then it might be a different story next week. Uh, definitely. Um, I think cards, their issues at the moment, they've got a few niggles. Murray's got the shoulder in, injury niggle and uh, Hopkins as well. Um, their defensive line, I thought, would have got a bit more pressure on um, uh, on Trey Lance uh, last week as well. I think I said, what, seven sacks and two intercepts. they got two sacks and one intercept. Um, yeah. yeah uh, less than half of what I thought it would be. Um, yeah, as mentioned, Jones has been a bit quiet uh, as well, maybe a bit. I don't think he's disgruntled, but hey, we'll see. We'll see what's going on there. Of course, with his contract, uh, I've picked the cards because I'm sticking strong with the cards as, as you know my fantasy team's riding on them, and um, I've been backing <laughs> them all season. But I think this is going to be an excellent game of footy. Um, do I smash the overs though? I'm tending to think no. Uh, I think the overs might be quite high for this, mm. but I think with the avid men- the mentions to um, the injuries, sorry, that mentioned before to Murray, uh, they might be a little down on firepower, and the way the Browns like to pound the ball might run the clock a little bit, so there's less attempts. If it's 55, I don't think it's going to make it. That's my thoughts. Mark's will let us know in just a sec. I've, mm. I'm going Cleveland Browns. I think they give the cards their first L of the year, although... This should be an entertaining game. Uh, Monks, you got the deciding pick and uh, the odds, and obviously the unders overs will be very interesting. Yeah, no, that's it. Um, yes, yeah, so this is yeah a real telling game as to whether Cardinals are legit and will go all the way or go very deep this season. Um, I have gone the Browns, though. Um, they are favourites $1.56. Cards are out at $2.43 at the moment. $1.56 for a team that's 3-2, and two. Playing an undefeated team, wow, mm-hmm. that's that is no value there. Uh, <laughs> tips with a grain of salt. I, I won't be putting any money on them at a dollar fifty-six. No, it's a yeah, very hard one to to put any money on. Um, we have a total match points of forty-nine and a half. So that change your opinion, Sean? Yes. <laughs> as, in, as in that becomes tempting. So the bookies know exactly. 55 yeah. too high, 49's tempting. So it was like, hmm, yeah. It's well, weird, isn't it? Because they're both high-powered offences, 
One of them scored 42 points last week and lost, and the other scored 17 points and won. So that's what makes it hard, the unders overs betting. But uh, I, I tend to hope for, uh, in terms of entertainment value, uh, a, a high-scoring shootout here. Definitely. So the next match is Las Vegas Raiders taking on the Denver Broncos in Denver. As mentioned at the head, uh, there's been a you know rough week for the Raiders, of course. Um, did have that disappointing home loss to the Bears. They did get Josh Jacobs back. I think they got Peyton Barber back as well this week, but I think Jacobs takes the load for them. Um, Denver on the flip slide played pretty poorly against the Steelers for three quarters. Um, seemed to get a bit hot in the fourth. Uh, made it interesting. Um, could possibly have tied that game to force it into overtime, um, but just couldn't get it over the line. Uh, we all tipped Broncos last week. Um, did we put a curse on maybe? Uh, yeah. I think, they, I think, from my opinion, I think they game plan poorly uh, for this. And I said it last week. you got to stop the run, force um, Ro- um, Roethlisberger to throw deep. They could, didn't, couldn't stop the run. And when Roethlisberger wanted to throw deep, they broke coverage. So it was like, well, Fuck, that's not the game plan. <laughs> that's the opposite of what you want to be doing. Uh, offense, struggling a little bit. And um, surprisingly how important I say Judy and Hamler were to that. They're mm-hmm. the speed receivers. They've added John Brown uh, probably for that speed guy there to maybe help take the top of the offenses off to help Cortland Sutton and um, uh, Tim Patrick, who both got pretty hot uh, in that fourth quarter as well. I think both went over 100 yards um, in that game. What do I think in this? Uh, you know, Raiders coming to town after their week. Um, Broncos honouring, uh, I, I believe, Mike Shanahan at halftime as well. Um, Perth three and two. Raiders seem to be fading. I think more than Denver have been. Denver are banged up though. Firing your head coach gives you usually one win straight away. Not really a firing. Those are, you know, I'm trying. I'm doing. I'm doing the math here in my head. <laughs> Are you going to do it against your own team? I, I can't pick Broncos. I can't say pick the Raiders against Broncos because we yeah. fucking hate the Raiders. Like, <laughs> so I've got to pick the Broncos in this. Um, but there's uh, this should be a closer game of football. I'm worried though Raiders coming in to steal together. They'll either come in and be red hot um, and then the rest of the, the, you know, the next two months will be shithouse for the Raiders. They probably won't win a game after this. Um, this this is their, their big game. Um but or you know, or the other flip side of that, they might come in as an absolute shit show uh, with what everything's happened. So it's be interesting, kind of. It'll probably reflect what the Raiders' season is going to be going forward, how they play this game. Um, but I, I've got to stay strong in this one. Denver need to get a win. Um, they can't go the next two months, as I've been fearing, uh, where they they all end up three and eight, and I was like, oh fuck me. Um, so we'll, we'll see how it That's my thoughts. Yeah, it, it is a, a tough upcoming schedule for the Broncos. Uh, we'll get stuck into that maybe next week. But in terms of this week, I think at mile high, uh, given what's gone on with the Raiders this year uh, and all the all the media noise around the firing of John Gruden, I think the Broncos get it done here. Uh, although I'm not super, super confident. Obviously, they got off to that red-hot start going 3-0, and but uh, we did speak about it. It was against teams that hadn't won a game. And the last few weeks, seems they've kind of been a little bit found out in losses to the Steelers and the Ravens. Uh, but, yeah, I've gone Denver here to, to get things back on track. Another point on this, Fangio uh, may be a bit on the hot seat, lose this game. 
uh, they're going to start talking for his head. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Do you reckon, I, I feel like that's so harsh. You know, three and three, it's it's like they weren't touted to be Super Bowl contenders or anything. They're above the Kansas City Chiefs. True, but, you know, his, his main uh, um, addition to the team is meant to be defense, and after the poor game plan last week, what's he adding? Uh, you know, there's definitely concerns there of, uh, you know, the the coaching uh, limitations uh, potentially game plan wise um, in the last couple of weeks. So we'll see, we'll see, we'll, we'll see what happens. He was on the hot seat going in. The three, he needed a good start, so he got that. Um, but he needs, like I said, we need to win a couple of games over the next couple, uh, you know, next well, six weeks essentially. Um, but you know, we've got a hard schedule coming up. Nice. Your tips and odd yeah, um, I can't say we hate the Raiders, um, but yeah, I think this is a good matchup for Denver. Um, Darren Waller, at least from a fantasy perspective, um, in terms of performance, is, is still questionable. So whether or not he suits up um, and how that works into um, Raiders' favour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so um, yeah, to that. Um, Back to the Broncos, uh, they are favourites at $1.54 a mile high. Um, Raiders are out at $2.50 at the moment, uh, and we have a line of 44 and a half. Yeah, I probably won't be putting money on that one. It's still a bit too close to call, I think. Moving forward into the last of the late games, uh, the Dallas Cowboys, they're 4-1. and one. They take on the New England Patriots, 2-3. and three. Uh, the Pats just snuck away with that win at the Texans. Uh, Muncie, if you wouldn't mind just checking uh, Damian Harris, I think he's out for this and possibly for the near future. Uh, we spoke at length about Ramondre Stevenson in the preseason. He seems to be the guy uh, that will be touted to uh, get the uh, the rock uh, for the New England Patriots. Have you got any news on him? Um, just bringing that up now. Why Mark's done that? The Cowboys, of course, have got four wins on the trot. Um, of course, had their opening loss to the Bucks, but have won uh, four straight since then. Uh, question here: Do they have the second best running back duo behind Chubb and Hunt? Probably answers yes. Um, <laughs> they're not one. I think Chubb and Hunt are just a bit more electric as runners. Um, than Zeke and Tony are currently. But, hey, they're definitely putting themselves in that conversation and they've really been helping out Dallas. Um, you know, not requiring Dak to throw the ball 50-plus times helps them mm-hmm. out. Uh, but they they have the weapons. They have the receiving core if they need to. They've got two tight ends. They've got three good receivers. Um, you know, if CD Lamb's having a quiet day, then you know you're feasting elsewhere. Yeah. What about Dalton mm. Schultz? He's had an absolute breakout year. I think you've got him, don't you, Sean, in fantasy. Let's hope he continues it this week. There, there might be a guy who's riding a Packers tight end that uh, might be after his services in, in fantasy football, but uh, we'll, I'll get to you after the show about that. Uh, <laughs> what did you find out about Damian Harris? Yeah, so didn't practice today. Um, well, Wednesday... Uh, US uh and yeah still just listed as questionable at the moment. Yeah, I think from all things that I've heard is that Damien Harris will not suit up this weekend. Uh so mm. big wary fantasy owners there. Boys, all cowboys here. They they're looking pretty good. That that offense is pretty high powered. 
Even going into New England, Dallas for mine. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously from a fantasy perspective, having Dak as my quarterback, a little bit worried. Um going up against the Bill Belichick defense. Um, but I yeah, still going Cowboys here. Uh, they are favorites at $1.53. The Patriots are out at $2.30, uh, $52 at the moment. Um, we have match total match points of 51 and a half. Quite high. I think I'd be leaving that alone. Mm. Uh, yeah, don't mind Dallas to get the win there. I think I've got a slab of beer. Shout out to Sam Jeffrey, if you're listening. Uh, I took the Dallas Cowboys to take out the NFC East uh, at the start of the year. He took anyone other, uh, and it seems like Dallas is uh, trending in the right direction over anyone other. Sunday night football, boys. We've that got curse, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it does. There's a lot of football to go, uh, and and shout out to Philadelphia Eagles. They're looking pretty good in the NFC East. Let's get into Sunday night football. It's uh, the Seattle Seahawks taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. The massive story out of Seattle. Uh, Russ, he's going to be missing maybe four to six weeks. Uh, he's had to have surgery on his third finger on the throwing hand. It's a melt finger. It's actually something that I've had done uh, before. Uh, we'll bring that one right there for our listeners that are watching. Yeah, that's that's what my knuckle looks like now. Uh, Bit of a ski jump on that one. Um, so essentially broke uh, the the um, his finger at that joint and the tendon starts to roll back. Uh, so if you don't get that operated on uh, pretty soon, uh, you, you end up with a deficient finger with a, uh, a, a lifelong deformity. So that's why they had to do the surgery there on Danger Russ Wilson. Geno Smith. Uh, goes in for them. He didn't look too bad. A uh, bit of an unfortunate intercept right at the end of the game uh, where Tyler Lockett slipped over and uh, and and Gino yeah, taken out. So I think there was a bit of miss pi there um, actually. You reckon? Yeah. If you if you rewatch it back, um, he the linebacker backing up come runs straight back into him. Okay. Um, and knocks his legs together so he falls over. So yeah, bit of an unlucky one there for old Tyler. Because I think everyone was piling it on him while you fall down, and you rewatch it back. Yeah, he gets his legs caught up on the linebacker dropping in into his zone. So anyway, I remember texting you boys. I pulled the trigger prematurely. I said, "Oh, here we go. Here's good old Geno Smith throwing it into you know no receiver in the area." And then I watched a replay, and I thought, "Oh, actually, Tyler lost his feet here. I thought it was just Geno dishing it up for the opposition." The question I had to ask you lads, and it's early days. They're only two and three. But they're in arguably the best division in football, and they've got a very tough schedule uh, coming up, Monks, if you wouldn't mind looking that one up. Is this the Seahawks done for the year? It's early, but it could be true. Yeah, well, if they go 0-6 in that span, yes, their season's done. Yeah, Um, 0-6, you'd think they'd have no chance. You'd be hoping for like a 2-4 and without Russell and see what he can do later on in the year. I I think uh, they've got the NFC North as their... Um, division that they play against. So they'll have games against the Packers, against the Vikings, against the Bears, who will all be tough. You'd imagine they can maybe sneak a win with Geno against the Lions if that's what happens. But, Monks, have you got the schedule, uh, the upcoming schedule for the Seattle Seahawks? 
Yeah, um, it's an interesting one. So obviously Steelers this week, and then after that they've got um, the Saints at home, and then the Jaguars at home. Uh, then they go over to Green Bay, um, and then they've got the Cards at home after that. Um, and then, yeah, yeah. Jags, Jags is the only one you're kind of thinking that hey they're gonna get that. So it's that's one out of. So it's Jags, Jags at home is the only one where you kind of would think that's a tick. So tough ask here for Seattle fans. Mm. And if they're three and six at that point, yeah, you'd be you'd be really worried. That's a lot of you're asking a lot from Russ, who you know their offense is clicking mm. a little bit, but their defense just hasn't been there. No, they've been bad. They're not they're not as good as they have been in the last couple of years. So yeah, mm. I'm not not liking their chances. Um, we'll talk about this game though. Uh, Steelers on the other side, they did win against the, the Broncos as mentioned before. They do lose Juju. He dislocated his shoulder. I think he's mm. going to have surgery, and his season's probably done um, from all accounts. Um, so, mm. but they, you know, the demise of uh, Ben Roethlisberger. You can't throw deep balls. You kind of proved you can get a few few off when needed. Um, yep. So, uh, if they can get some protection on him. Um, use that play-action game, run the ball. They've got some ability there. Maybe they get that against Seattle. Seattle or Geno, I have to double-check because I think it's a coin toss, but I've picked Steelers. Yeah, I'm going to go Pittsburgh here too. I think uh, that home field advantage at Heinz Field with no Russell Wilson, I think that's two deciding factors for mine. Um, this will be an interesting matchup here on Sunday Night Football. Uh, but yeah, I've gone the Steelers with our uh, old man Big Ben. Yeah. Last game then. Um, oh, sorry. Oh. Oh, <laughs> I had to do at least one. Oh, like that. oh, like that. That's yeah. it. It's been a few weeks. We were due one. Um, yeah. We were. Yeah. Uh, Steelers at home. Uh, I think. Yes, I've, I've gone them as well. They are favourites at dollar forty-one. Uh, Seahawks That's are out at two dollars and ninety-two. Um, Total match points of 42 yeah. and a half. I don't like any of that. Very low, very low uh, unders overs there. But, yeah, quite yeah. short. I thought the Steelers there, but we'll yeah, come on like, prom time Sunday night. That's it. I think, like you said, that home field advantage much, much uh, must play into that a fair bit. So to finish up, as I started off before, Monday Night Football, we've got Bills 4-1 taking on the Tennessee Titans 3-2. and two. Uh, As mentioned, King Henry is continuing. Monks, can you get his total rush yards? I think we're really good. His post-contact yards have also been elite. I think he's fourth in the NFL. On the flip side, he runs into the Bills team that have been playing really good D, possibly the best defensive team in football at the moment. Uh, they did make a mockery of Kansas City last week. Um, Dallas Knox has been a thing catching touchdown passes as we learnt this week didn't catch a touchdown pass in college um, so <laughs> it started off real hot Josh Allen back in MVP talk um, only 15 completions this but did end up being 300, 300 plus yards three touchdowns what do we think of this I'm Bills keep motoring for mine uh, I think Tennessee without any receivers at the moment um have uh, kind of been struggling, overly reliant on Henry, and he's going to be facing eight, nine men boxes um, for this one, I think. So I'm going to back the Bills for me. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you here. I think the Bills uh, get the job done here. I, In my fantasy league, I, uh, I've got the Bills defense, uh, one of the 
only good decisions I made in, in our NFL draft. And um, I, I thought, geez, they're going up against Kansas City. I might stream a defense. I brought in the Packers. Uh, the Pack, I think, had nine points, and uh, that was against the Bengals. And the uh, Bills had 20 points against uh, Patrick Mahomes and their offense. So their D is playing lights out. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. They've been really, really, really good. Um, Bills for mine. Uh, Monks, I imagine, yep. possibly the same way. Uh, get the Henry rushing yards. Yeah, the Henry, Henry rushing yards, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so obviously he's he is leading the stats at the moment. Um, he's rushed for 2,000 K... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, he's rushed for <laughs> six, uh, 640. Um, that's almost a game ahead of Nick Chubb sitting at... Well, that is a game ahead of Nick Chubb sitting at 523 at the moment. Um, yeah, so he's rushing for average um, 128... Uh, Yards a game. Um, so quick math on the season is 2,176 if he maintains that average. Yeah, he's got that extra game this year. Uh, I don't think anyone's ever had three seasons in a row with 2,000, and Derek is looking at that. Yeah, right. Um, also, side note there, uh, Lamar Jackson is ranked eight. Um, he's sitting at 341 yards um, rushing. He's just a running back. <laughs> Finish off stuff for the odds, man. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Um, I have, yeah, I've gone the, I've gone Bills. Um, their favourites a dollar forty. Times are out at two dollars ninety seven at the moment, and we've got total match points of fifty four and a half. That is high scoring. Yeah, yeah, I'd be leaving that alone, but uh, I reckon the Bills get the job done here, boys. Yep. Um, to finish us off, buys Falcons, Saints, 49ers and Jets have buys. 49ers, Kittle on IR. That's a big one. Uh, mm. Kamara, I think, got a few niggles. Um, and, well, the Falcons are going to the Falcons. Uh, the only mm. interesting thing about them is Patterson at, the, at this point. So we'll see how he goes fantasy relevance going forward. Okay, uh, yeah. Speaking of fantasy, uh, shout out to uh, the man uh, over there with the headphones on, the caterpillar <laughs> above his top lip. Uh, he absolutely... Absolutely pulled my pants down and gave me a good old bumming uh, last last yeah. week. He, he beat me by 100 points in our fantasy league, and one of your players is quarter old Patterson. You decided mm-hmm. to start him this week, and um, you, that was a good decision. Uh, he did. Yeah. So perhaps, perhaps, who's the best running back at the Falcons? Still Mike Davis. I think I'm going to still hold on, on, <laughs> on to that. Uh, I actually put him uh, – I could see where you had Patterson lined up, so I put him – right in the exact same slot. Uh, <laughs> see how that would match up. And it turns out Patterson so. scored more points than Mike Davis. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I think it's, it's got to even out. It's still early days. Uh, it but still early days. Shout out to your team. You put up nearly 200 points in PPR. Yeah. Fantasy football, uh, very impressive. That's it, yeah. If I had played one defense instead of the other, I would have just gone over that 200. Um, but, yeah, with Falcons and Saints both on buys with um, – Obviously, Patterson and Kamara on my team. I'm essentially having a buy this week as well. So well, and you uh, have that's an C- easy H- win for you, Sean. You have CEH. So who are your running backs this week? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have got Ronald Jones. Oh, Roger. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, He's essentially because... been benched most of the rest of the season. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. 
Um, and Benard, actually, Benard's been really good for Tampa Bay. Is their, their uh, pass catching back coming in? Yeah, but is, yeah. Carrying yeah. is he a fantasy viable running back too? I doubt it. Yeah, I haven't seen no, anything. I'm just saying he's he's been a good addition to Tampa. Sure, yeah. Taking, essentially taking Jones's job. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I've got Naheem Hines as my other running back at the moment. There's I think I need to. Running backs this week. <laughs> yeah. And you so play think... Sean. Yep. <laughs> Jeez, I'm You're a... one week to it. Yeah. But, yeah, I should pro... I'll probably be hitting the waiver wire as well, just trying to see if there's any sneaky sneaky running backs to pick up in our well, league. I've got a few you sneak into my DMs if you need <laughs> I'd be more than happy to help you beat our, beat our co-host, Sean. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, uh, yeah. I think with that finishes up NFL chat and we've got to get stuck into the final round. Ding, I was, ding. I was just trying to check. Um, no, they've got nothing recent. Yeah, nothing recent there. I was just checking some stats. Uh, final round. Kick us off boxing uh, to start. There was, I think, as I mentioned in the intro, the massive uh, fight over the weekend with Tyson Fury trying to defend his title against uh, Deontay Wilder. Uh, What an epic fight it was um, for the trilogy. The third fight followed the same sort of game script as the others. Um, Third and fourth round, that's probably all you need to watch. Uh, After that, Tyson, more of the same, as I'd like to say, really ascended himself, um, took took Wilder to, to class um, and showed his boxing talent and got the win in this. Uh, Monks, what were your thoughts on this boxing event? Yeah. Um, I th- yeah, like you said, that third and fourth round uh, was really where the fight was, uh, well, a lot of excitement was. Um, Wilder was able to get a couple knockdowns on Fury. I think, I don't know if it was you or Pep's, put that video into the chat this morning, uh, this week um, of Fury. Yeah, the, short and his... right, the short right mm. straight, which yeah. hits straight on the temple when you see the, like, the the whole power get absorbed through his body and it ripples down <laughs> back. Like, mo- that punch kills most men, let's be honest. I was, was going to say that. That punch kills me. Um, yes. Yeah, a little bit of controversy throughout the week people saying that um fury got a really really slow um 10 count um towards the end of one of the rounds i can't remember which round it was um first fight i think was the long count right at the end there mm, yeah um but yeah i guess um yeah tyson fury finally getting that legit uh knockout of um wilder really ending ending any sort of discussion between those two um and then yeah obviously being the third third fight that's it for this one um wilder doesn't have any any options for a rematch um yeah real real good fight yeah and you know out of that third round where fury knocks down wilder and then wilder knocks down fury twice in the fourth um mm. Kind of then after that he gets back up, you know, from the shot that kills most men, as we mentioned. <laughs> he, he gets back up and then uh, goes on to take, you know, ascend himself the fifth, sixth, seventh round, just starts wearing him down. By the tenth, I was just like, yeah, Wild was done. He's cooked. Um, I can see this is the same point in the last fight, the second fight. Sorry, they threw the towel in. I was like, maybe they should throw the towel in. Probably they should have because Wilder comes out to that 11th round and Fury was just on him to 
to, to kill a man essentially and massive right mm. hand uh, hook um hits wilder and uh night night he goes down like a ton of bricks and that's all she wrote uh so fury you know undisputed um not undisputed he's uh what's the what's the word they used he's the um not clear line there's like a there's a line thing or whatever essentially he's the number one heavyweight in the world uh even though he's got one belt compared to the, the other three but they with the way the order happens he's um the number one so he's actually you know he's retained he's still the the best heavyweight in the world um and with you know joshua losing his belt last last week or two weeks ago um you know that mm. fight, fight's probably on hold because he has to rematch Uzcheck, i believe you know I'd assume that's the case. They'll have a rematch clause in there, like yeah. they did for that that match. So um, Joshua will have to do that first. Um, or if there's not a mandatory rematch there, then you know Fury Ushek. That's 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 what you think is got to be the next next boxing match on 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 the card for the heavyweights. That's yeah, it. all um, going to come down to the paperwork there, isn't it? Uh, is there a rematch clause for Anthony Joshua and Alexander Usyk? Um, time will tell, I suppose, what happens there. Uh, a lot of speculation. Will Ushik just get to go straight uh, to Tyson Fury? Uh, it will depend on the fine print, I guess. Is there a uh, rematch clause in that one? Mm. i tell you what I like to see, boys. Uh, the baddest motherfucker on the planet, the heavyweight champion of the world, Tyson Fury. Look, let's be honest. He's a bit fat. He carries a few extra kgs. And he likes to party. Did you guys see the uh, the aftermath of <laughs> videos coming out of Vegas? Yeah. Steve Aoki. Him and Steve Aoki, shirt off, uh, <laughs> Lancashire, Lancashire kind of uh, chat getting around. It's fun to see, isn't it, that uh, the bloke that is the best heavyweight boxer in the world at the moment also likes to have a bit of a party and a good time. That's it, yeah. Yeah. Just real quick back to the fight. So Wilder also broke his hand, um, whether that was on that punch um, um, that we were talking about um, in the fourth round or not. But, yeah, so he broke his hand, had to get surgery on that. And Joshua triggered his rematch clause clause against Yuzik. Um, So that looks like it's shaping up to be March 22 um, for that rematch there. Yeah, I just double-checked it. They were saying spring 22, so March, like you say. Um which yeah means that anything Fury Fury uh, winner of whatever winner of that rematch Fury related is probably going to be there towards the middle to end of next year. Um, well, I don't know if that's too certain because a lot of these I'm assuming would be sort of that three three peat sort of match. So if Joshua Joshua wins this next fight, I reckon um, Usyk might have a might be able to exercise his right to a rematch as well. Yeah. So it might be some time before we see Fury um, yeah. Yeah, fight Joshua. Uh, which which means, if that's the case, then there's probably going to be a mandatory uh, defense that Fury has to do for whoever's coming up in his, um, for his belt, essentially his category, who's their number one. Uh, so he might have to do that, say, in the middle of next year before we even start talking about this again. So we're going to have to wait another, you know, we've already waited a year. We're going to have to wait another year for Joshua Fury to take place if it does take place. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be um, Uzek, um towards the end there, maybe. But hey, that's boxing news. Um, UFC. Um, I don't want to cover it in super detail, but 
there's a lot of really good fights being booked. There's, I think, 60 really interesting fights over the next two months or to finish the year out, essentially. Um, so mm. being booked up there. We'll talk about UFC 267 in two weeks' time. I think when we get closer to that card, excellent card shaping up there, of course. Uh, but the one I wanted to talk about was Masvidal versus Leon Edwards finally got booked. Uh, Edwards, of course, the receiver of the three-piece in a soda. Um, bit of bad blood there for a long time. Talk about Edwards is now ducking Masvidal. They've agreed to it. The fight's happening. Uh, and I think this is going to be an excellent fight to take in the welterweight division um, for these two. So I thought that was really good that it's finally being booked. Um, when, what card is it? I will double check. Um, I think it's 271. 271, yeah. I don't want yeah. to just yet, but... Interesting news. Obviously, that uh, Edwards Diaz fight was one of the craziest fucking things we've ever seen, where Edwards dominated him for four rounds, and then we had Diaz nearly pull off uh, one of the upsets of the century. Uh, but that's that's massive. Uh, Masvidal is a killer, and Edwards, uh, you know, we've seen how good he is. Uh, can Masvidal kind of get back to sort of 2018, 2019, Masvidal? Uh, that'll be the big question around that one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, UFC 269 is the target for that. <laughs> uh, that's in September uh, 11. Uh, so, All right. uh, but hey, they've um, essentially they're, they're going camp now. They'll spend their eight, eight to 12 weeks in camp, and we'll see how we go from that. Looking forward to that. Um, what, plus a lot of other really excellent fights um, that we'll cover uh, as they roll through the calendar. Uh, mm. Soccer, I think, is the next major one. Um, I need to take a wee break so you guys can cover some of that real quick. You relieve yourself. I'll run us through what happened in the internationals or the interesting things for us as Aussies at least. The Socceroos, their 11-game win streak, it came to an end on Tuesday night. They lost 2-1 to Japan. Uh, I, for one, saw some excellent uh, boomer comments, really, uh, in social media uh, (laughs) saying, oh, why are we praising this win streak? You know, they only play against oceanic teams. Uh, obviously, we've been in the Asian Conference for, <laughs> I don't know, what, the last three World Cups. Um, yeah. I saw some guy saying, uh, you know, we go out there and we beat Micronesia and West Papua, who aren't <laughs> international teams. Um, so well done to whichever boomer wrote that one. That's um, hey, a win's a win, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, 11 had been had been very good, and I think I mentioned yeah. a few weeks ago on the Esky, that makes us the best team of all time. So yeah, well, that's, that's no, a world no record streak. That, yeah, world record. Um, there's no questioning that the Australian Socceroos are much better than uh, the Maradona-led Argentina <laughs> or the, uh, the Xavi, Fernando Torres-led Spain or any, any other uh, World Cup-winning team. We're the best. <laughs> uh, but in in, in more uh, serious uh, take of uh, the international World Cup qualifiers, uh, Denmark and Germany are the first teams through that aren't named Qatar. Uh, so they're the first two teams that have qualified via winning soccer games and not paying off FIFA officials. So well, <laughs> them and um, and we, we despite our loss, uh, we're looking okay in Asia. The top two of those two groups will go through. 
speaking of paying off or big business deals at least, Newcastle United has been purchased by Saudi billionaires and apparently these blokes have got more money than the guys that bought Manchester City. So uh, watch out for the Magpies. They will have a uh, resurgence up the ladder, you would think, in the coming years. Um, uh, much like that scummy, light, uh, sky blue uh, ship part of Manchester team that is Man City uh, with all their oil money and no history. Uh, watch out for Newcastle to become one of them, uh, you know, struggling to sell out Champions League games, et cetera, et cetera. Hopefully they're currently second set it's oh, currently sitting second last. Uh, you know, looking they could be relegated. Haven't won a game so far this season. Three draws, their only points. Um so uh hopefully these Saudi billionaires will get their return on investment and not get a relegated EPL side. Uh but I think they will probably invest big in this club and get some talent across there in the not too distant future. Oh big Tom. I was looking at a pie graph uh in terms of owners' wealth. And uh, apparently these Saudi billionaires uh, are worth more than 50% of uh, of the total owners. So so the other 19 clubs uh, account for less than 50% of these guys' worth. So you'd imagine there'll be some big signings going to Newcastle. Uh, watch out for the newest season of Geordie Shaw. I don't know if they do still do that. Uh, that's based out at Newcastle. Uh, you might see some... Uh, some some high-paid soccer players coming out of that one. Yeah. And with that, there's a couple of the club football, of course, back this weekend. Um, no massive matchups, really. We've got Watford taking on Liverpool. Leicester City versus Man United is probably pretty good. Uh, we've got Man City taking on Burnley. Brentford taking on Chelsea. Newcastle taking on the Spurs as um, the matches for the round to take a bit of interest in. Uh, but we will see how that all goes and football back next week. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, yeah, no big, like, massive clubs playing against each other this weekend. So it'll be a question, uh, can these big clubs knock off people that they're expected to do uh, in the APL? Uh, and I'm really looking forward to the next international break uh, because we're starting to see a bit of a picture in Europe, starting to see a bit of a picture in Asia. And uh, South America is always well contested, so they're a bit far off. But... um. Definitely, uh, yeah, the European teams, as we saw with Denmark and Germany, uh, and I think the next round we'll see a lot of other teams qualify for the World Cup. Yep. So from soccer to motorsports, uh, F1, they had the race on the weekend uh, in Turkey, back in Istanbul. Um, it was a pretty good race overall. was very wet, which made it interesting for tyre strategy. Uh, Bottas very much dominated, led from start to finish um, with that. It wasn't the most action-packed for the front of the race. There was more movement in the middle, but the real talking point was more what Hamilton was going to do to limit uh, the damage from him taking his engine penalty. Uh, our boy Ricardo took an engine 10 grid point, 10 place grid penalty as well. Couldn't really do much for him. I think he finished 14th. Another great race for McLaren overall. But I was really talking about Hamilton. Can you limit the damage um, to Max where Max is going to finish? Um, they did end up competing pretty closely together. Uh, Hamilton was in third uh, with about eight, ra- la- eight laps to go. Had been on one set of tyres, enters the entire race. Um, and then the conversation, really the biggest talking point was, could he have made it to the end of the race there? Um, Mercedes gave him a little bit of a non-descriptive 
uh, radio message on you should box now uh, or we'll lose the position to Gasly. Not really telling him that you're actually going to go from third to fifth. So he thought he was maintaining his position. So he wasn't real happy when he came back out and realized he'd lost positions. Um, so there's a bit of talking about on the radio back and forth um, there about his concerns. Because he really wanted to, like, let me stick on the Inters. Let me stay on third. Let me try to defend versus chase because um, yeah. the Inters wear out, um, have a, like, graining period to get them actually going where they work really well. Uh, mm. And, you know, he struggled. He did maintain fifth position, so he finished fifth. Max, of course, is second. Max takes the mm. championship lead back, so it switches again. Uh, yeah. But, Max, what were your thoughts on that? Do you think he could have made it to the end of the race? Noting, of course, Ocon did do the entire race on one set of tyres. <laughs> True. Um, I don't know. So it all actually started almost close to 10 laps before he actually pitted. Um, the team got on the radios and telling told him that they would they'd recommend him to pit because Gasly was um, closing that gap into his pit window where um, once if Gasly got to that point um, and Hamilton did pit, then Gasly would um, get that on the cut and get in front of him. Um, Hamilton said no. He reckons his tyres were were good enough. Um, and then, yeah, about ten, nine, ten laps later, um, they advised that it seemed that he was losing pace and he should pit um, to make sure that he doesn't... He was going to lose those positions anyway, so they might as well put him on on fresh tyres just to make sure that nothing bad happened, like he got a flat or something. They, they were the assumption he'd lose the positions. Um, I think yeah. Hamilton was more thinking like, hey, I'm a seven-time world champion. Let me defend uh, my my current position uh, here. Let, let them fight through me versus let me try to have to chase them and try to catch up to them. Um, and maybe, hey, maybe he limits it and he finishes fourth instead of fifth and he saves, you know, three or four points. Um Photos yeah. afterwards, after the race, uh, his tyres very much had no rubber left on them. They were down to the carcass. So there was mm. always concern that they would uh, fail. Um, blah, yeah, that's it. And, hey, then he's out of the race. This was nothing. Yeah. Um, Ocon did do the whole race on one set of tyres. His tyres at the end of the race, of course, looked worse than Hamilton's did. Um, mm. But, hey, he managed to make it done. So maybe Hamilton was right or not. Uh, but there was, you know, the comp- the team conversation was i think the most interesting point that came out of this race um from a race that didn't have yeah. the greatest action overall um guys finished roughly where they started there was a little bit of pit strategy middle order was interesting for the talk of the championship yeah. um you know, a couple of points were switched over, switched around damage was limited um i think what we yeah. seven races left for the year uh, so it's getting it's pretty mm-hmm. close to getting to the pointy end that's it, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think think to the I guess controversy of Mercedes. Like, um, it happened the the race before. Um, the team told Hamilton to pit. He said no, I'd rather not. I'd rather stay out. Um, that time he did pit um, when recommended and ended up winning that race. Um, so I guess yeah, it's it's always going to be a little bit of a trade off. Um, obviously, you got one person in the car understanding how the car is driving and how it feels, and then a whole team behind the scenes checking and monitoring tyre pressure and wear and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's always a fine balance between, I guess, as Hamilton mentioned, uh, after the race, going with your gut um, and then obviously going with what the data tells you. Um, And then just back on Ocon. So he broke a 24-year, I guess, 
do you call it record? Um, in that, uh, yeah, no pit stop for a driver. Um, in a full one race. So, yeah, it doesn't happen often. I think there was a couple of races um, somewhere there where in um, the, sorry, F1 actually said, uh, mandated that you weren't allowed to do any tyre changes. Um, so they tried that. Um, I can't remember what decade it was. So obviously you've got that whole period of time where there was no pit stops um, for tyres, but at that point you could still pit stop for refueling. So um, that's a little bit of a caveat on that where obviously Ocon's no pit stop for tyre change. Um, yeah, so doesn't happen often, um, but makes for a good race when it does happen. Um, he was able to score points for... Alpine um, in probably what would have been a race where he wouldn't have been able to score points if he had uh, made that pit stop. Yeah. So with that F1 uh, moves uh, potentially east, maybe. Um, depends on what's shorter distance. But they're going to the Americanas. Um, they're going to the United States uh, next, followed by Mexico and Brazil, um, before they go back to the Middle East to finish the season. Uh, so... Uh, we're really interested to see what the United States race is like um, uh, with all the stuff mm. that's over there recently uh, before they then go into Mexico and Brazil. Uh, that race is not for another two weeks while they move um, from Europe, Eastern Europe, across to uh, the American continents, as mentioned. So a couple of weeks in between races there. Mm. Uh, uh, so it's next, next weekend's race weekend, so nothing this week. Sorry. Yes, you are right. Yeah. Nothing this week. Following weekend is that race. Uh, that's an age-old uh, dilemma, isn't it? The argument between next weekend. And- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, as we had during the week, I couldn't figure out my own time zones when we were yeah. um, looking at that Delhi Capitals <laughs> catch up. Yeah. It, it was all for naught in the end, but uh, yeah, doesn't matter. Oh, Look, none of, us, none of us are very good with it. Let's be honest. That, yeah. that maths. <laughs> yeah, in your job, you're meant to be good with it. But uh, luckily, uh, you it's might be Excel. moving full-time podcasting one day. So you can you can give up the uh, the, the quick maths. <laughs> uh, so to finish this off, um, to wrap up the other three major sports in America, um, the NBA is into preseason games. They're a week and a bit away from starting um, their start of their season. Uh, looks like Ben Simmons is going to stay put and play for the 76ers, at least for now. Uh, paces were closed reportedly into making a deal, uh, but nothing's come through, and Simmons is now back at training, um, getting back involved in the 76ers program. Uh, so maybe they're playing nice. We'll have to see. This this is massive because all the noise uh, this whole offseason is that Simmons getting traded, he doesn't want to be there. We've spoken about it at length, uh, and it seems we're only a week away from the start of the year. He's training with the 76ers, uh, at least for the start of the year. It looks like uh, Aussie Ben will be playing in Philadelphia, so pretty interesting uh, news there. I'll tell you what else is interesting. All this stuff around Kyrie Irving, he doesn't want to get vaccinated. Uh, it's not really uh, confirmed what the NBA's policy will be around unvaxxed players, um, but it seems like for now he won't be eligible. Um, Sean, Nets, what have you heard about it? I think the Nets actually put that on him because they have a yeah. 
biosecurity bubble, whatever they want to call it, um, for the NBA, where they try to at least protect the players as much as possible. Um, but I think the Nets trying to protect themselves have said he's um, ineligible uh, to come and participate within their practices uh, and until stuff changes. I'm not sure what that stuff is, whether you know it means he gets vaccinated or the league changes its policy of how they want to do this season. Who knows? Either way, it means our boy Paddy Mills might get yeah. game time. So, yeah, that's quite interesting for, for us and our perspective. Yeah, I, I, as an Aussie basketball fan, I hope Kyrie continues down this anti-vax, flat-earth, uh, tinfoil hat <laughs> uh, kind of conspiracy path and Paddy Mills goes out and plays 84 games and kills it for the Nets. But... um. It's an interesting one. He's one of the high, uh, you know, one of the most talented players in the NBA, and uh, and yeah, we'll see what happens there, I guess. Yeah, I I've just had a quick quick check, and I do remember some of this. It's actually New York City's COVID nineteen vaccination mandate policy, um, which is the yeah, issue. Right. So they've kind of sent him home, um, so he's not in around the team and in in the city. Um, so. But there was also chat potentially he won't play any games in New York this season. So he might only play road games, which would be huge. Um, but, you know, if that if it has to come to that. Uh, but at the moment, yeah, they've, the GM for the Nets has stood him down and said, go home. Uh, we can't, you know, we've got no choice at the moment with the way the New York City policy is. Uh, we'll have to work our way through that and try to make a decision. So, yeah. Um, might be it's an interesting a, season for It's a strange, strange world that we live in, isn't it? That the this the differences between state law have this much uh, power. Uh, we've seen it here in Australia, and it, it seems to be the same over there in the US. But uh, we're, we'll see what uh, comes to fruition there, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and to finish this off, uh, to tackle the M- MLB, uh, the Major League Baseball. Um, Boston Red Sox and the Houston Astros are through to the American League Championship game. And then the Atlanta Braves are through to the National League Championship game on their side. But the Dodgers and Giants are currently uh, tied in a two-all battle over there for that last place in the National League Championship game. Uh, We'll see how that goes and then cover the World Series. And then NHL kicks off. They had their first Mm. opening week of games um, this week. Uh, So it's back and they'll have their long season kickoff as well. So it's all happening sporting-wise um, in America at the moment. And as always, yeah. we will cover it the best we can uh, on the ESCII. Up, up the Kraken. New, yeah. new team in the NHL. <laughs> Seattle Kraken, their first year. Great name. Uh, disgusting beverage, I think. If you, if you get stuck in Kraken <laughs> late night, uh, you, you will fill it the next day and the toilet bowl will fill it the next day. Uh, definitely goes out the way that it came in. <laughs> However, uh, shout out to Seattle getting a uh, NHL franchise. It'll be very interesting to see how they go this year. And uh, mm. Monkey Tampa Bay, the Tampa yep. Bay Lightning, they are two-time uh, defending champs in that one. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, we don't yeah. know fucking anything about uh, baseball or, <laughs> or hockey, but we will. We do like to keep an eye on it and see what happens. That's it. Yeah, definitely a few interesting storylines with the NHL this year. So might might pay a little bit more attention to it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yes. And with that, boys, thank you. That is on the escape for this week. Um, big show in the books. 
Uh, thank you to everyone listening, to all the lads that are tuning in every week. Uh, we do appreciate it. Um, for all those new, please consider subscribing and uh, leaving us a like or comment. Um, we have social media. Check it out. Monks does some good memes and images as well. Uh, thank you to you two uh, boys uh, for coming along and having a good chin wag. Not long now. One more, one more episode, I think, and then we'll all be back in the studio um, to talk all the dribble. Uh, thank you, boys. Yeah, looking forward to getting back to it, boys. It, it's been fun definitely. via webcam. It is definitely a different dynamic, uh, but I can't wait to get back into the studio. Might do some uh, COVID non-safe uh, licking of your faces or something like that. We'll, we'll <laughs> <in there. laughs> No, that's that's for the only fan page, don't. Oh yeah, that's. <laughs> I that one. Sorry, sorry, I spoiled the surprise. Uh, uh, those rough legs on OnlyFans, you don't want to see that. Um, <laughs> take that's yeah. where they pay to not see it. <laughs> There's a business model right there. <laughs> Uh, always, always a pleasure, boys. Um, have a good weekend. Can't wait to see the IPL final, uh, the the sixth week in the NFL, and uh, and follow the world that is uh, sports and dribble. Excellent. That's it. Thank you, boys. Thank you, everyone. Good night. Fuck you, San Diego. I'll see you all later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bye.